What's up, beloved? Welcome back to another episode. It's been a while since um, I've recorded an episode that's not just reading scriptures. I hope that you have been enjoying uh, those scripture episodes. I know I'm happy to be putting them out there. I'm just happy that those episodes, reading scriptures, are out there, you know, for anyone to come across. Um, I think it's good that they're out there. Glory to the Most High. And, you know, if you ever need anything just to put on in the background, you know, it's good just to hear the scriptures, maybe something to fall asleep to if you ever need that. But it's good just to hear the scriptures. And what I've really enjoyed about the scripture episodes is it's helping me become way more familiar with a lot of the cross references in the scriptures. Like I'll see something or hear something in the Psalms or in the Proverbs um, and realize that it's a cross reference, something that is said later on in the New Testament, like whoever, you know, whether it's Paul or Peter, or James in the New Testament, a lot of times they're quoting scriptures from the Old Testament. And I feel like I'm just putting a lot of that together as I'm hearing the scriptures, you know, just hearing my voice, reading them and stuff. And so it's been, it's been really cool seeing a lot of the cross references, like I said, in Psalms and Proverbs, just, I hear something and we've covered so many scriptures on this podcast series TPR over the years. Um, so sometimes just hearing it in different ways, like I could have said it in an episode previously and then I hear it recently reading the, the scripture episode. So I feel it has been productive. I feel it's been beneficial for me. I hope the same for you. Like I said, if you ever need to just put on something in the background, it's good to just kind of prep your mind spiritually, predictive program yourself with the scriptures. Glory to the most high. So hopefully you've been enjoying the scripture episodes, but we are back for an actual episode of speaking on this podcast series, TPR. So I do think this is going to be a long episode um, we are going to cover good amount of topics, a lot of things having to do with the end times, no fear over here. We fear the most high. That's it. So it's going to be what I'm looking to accomplish for this episode is to help you not only survive in the end times, survive the tribulation, but thrive through it as well. Right. Dare we even say thrive in the midst of the tribulation, but you know, it's important to survive, but Let's see if we can uh, bring out some points to help us possibly thrive, Yah willing, in the end times, in the tribulation. So this episode is going to cover a lot of different topics, but a lot of it um, having to do with the end times. And so I could have called this episode um, Prepare Part 3, but I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm just going to call this End Times. But um the two prepare episodes I did most importantly is prepare part two. It's TPR 202 prepare part two. That was before a lot of you guys even came to listen to this podcast series when I did that episode. But if you're going to go back to, and then I think it's TPR 158 is the first prepare episode. The first one is more so on like physical things, physical preparations. And then more importantly is the spiritual. That's why TPR 202 is called prepare part two spiritually, because that speaks about the spiritual preparations, which are most important. You can stack up all the water that you want, all the food that you want, do as many physical preparations as you want. But if you don't have the spiritual covering, the spiritual hedge, the spiritual protection and preparations from the most high, then it's really all in vain, the physical preparation. So those points are emphasized and spoken about heavily in TPR 202. 
And I didn't even want to call this one prepare part three because so many people are talking about preparations and the end times and everything like that. And I didn't want to trigger people further. So this will just be called end times. But in a sense, it could be prepare part three as well. Um, So if you are going to go back to listen to the prepare episodes, definitely focus on TPR 202, prepare part two, spiritually most important right there. And we'll speak a little bit further about it in this episode. I feel that it's important to do a timestamp and a and say when I'm recording this episode. So most likely when you're hearing this, y'all willing, it'll be in March when this episode comes out. But I'm recording it on uh, February 13th at 8.58 p.m. currently, 2024, right? February 13th. So let's get into the episode. So a lot of people focus on when they speak about um, preparations and being prepared for the end times, you know, everybody focuses on being able to grow your own food and stacking up water and all those essentials. Obviously, those are essentials, but there are some other simpler things that you could do to be prepared in addition to the spiritual preparations, which are most important. But the things I'm going to focus on in this episode are going to help you to, like I said, not only survive the tribulation, because how can we survive the tribulation is with food, water, things like that. That's for surviving the tribulation, which is absolutely necessary. But also we want to focus on how can we maybe even thrive during the tribulation. And that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. So before we get to that, though, in TPR 259, we spoke about Oh, before I even get to that, another thing I want to say to you is um, if you're hearing this episode in March, it's about to be the new year scripturally, the scriptural new year. I'm sure a lot of people online are talking about this, you know, the new year, right? And so what I want to encourage you, and it's the Enoch solar calendar is the calendar that we're on. I'll put the link to the Enoch calendar in this episode description. The website is enochcalendar.com to see the Enoch solar calendar. And what I want to encourage you with regards to this is this is a beautiful year to try out this calendar if you have not tried it yet. And here's why. If you have been on the Saturday Sabbath, right? And because the Saturday Sabbath is convenient for a lot of people, if you work a nine to five Monday to Friday and you're off Saturday and Sunday, It's very easy and convenient to keep the Saturday Sabbath. You know, we probably all were at one point or another on the Saturday Sabbath, right? So if you've been keeping Saturday Sabbath and you hear me talk about the Enoch solar calendar and you haven't tried it yet, this is a perfect year to do so. Why is that? Is because starting in March for the next 12 months, the Sabbath is going to fall on this Enoch solar calendar. The Sabbath is going to fall on the Gregorian Sunday this year, where last year it was on Friday, the day before that it was on Thursday. So those were during the week, quote unquote, where now the Sabbath is falling on Sunday this year on the weekend. So if you are off on Saturdays, then it's probably likely that you're off on Sunday as well. So if you've been keeping the Saturday Sabbath because it's convenient because you're off work on Saturday and you're off work Sundays, then this would literally be a perfect year to try out the Enoch solar calendar. And once you just start living on this calendar, one, you will start to understand it more. So even if you 
if you're unsure about how the calendar works by just living on the calendar. And this is something we've spoken about a lot, but just by living on the calendar, you will start to understand it more. And this is a perfect time to do it. If you're off Saturdays and you're off Sundays, then it's just switching it the Sabbath one day later to Sunday. You can look at the calendar. Nick puts it in Gregorian format, the Enoch solar calendar. You could see the in the Gregorian format, he has the spreadsheet from 2019 to 2029, the calendars. So you could see previous calendars, the some of the future ones up till 2029, and that will help you to understand the calendar as well. And just by living on the calendar, will you will start to understand it and you will feel if it's right. You can ask the most high, is this calendar correct? And just by living on it, you will feel for yourself that it is right or you could discern on that for yourself, but the Most High will show you that it's correct. He'll confirm it to you. And as you're living on this calendar, you will start to understand it a lot more. So this is a beautiful, perfect time to try out the Enoch Solar Calendar link in this episode description. With that being said as well, this is also a beautiful time to try new things as well. We covered this last year around this time. If you go back to some of my episodes that I did around the springtime last year, right around this time, like I think it was um, the uh, fasting review. Like, let's just look at um, TPR 235 fasting review was March 17th, 2023. TPR 236 trees part three, which was March 31st, 2023. So those episodes, like I was explaining, I think in the fasting review that this is a beautiful time to try something new. And I was saying last year, like in the fasting review, if you know, you're trying to give up some of these vices, this is a perfect time to try something new. So if you want to run back some of those episodes from last year around this time in March 2023 and just hear what I was saying that can encourage you as well and that's why I'm saying it's a beautiful time to try out the calendar as well Enoch solar calendar enochcalendar.com link in this episode description now also speaking of the calendar and we're going to get to the preparations and stuff but speaking of the calendar another important thing that I want to kind of explain to you guys as well is Yes, the calendar is important. And like I said, I'm sure everybody's talking about the calendar in the new new year. Just if you notice online in the echo chambers and Instagram and everything, if you notice people just post the same things every single year at the same time. When Christmas comes around, everyone posts about how Christmas is pagan and Saturnalia and all this stuff. When When the spring real new year comes around, everyone talks about it and just post the same things over and over again. That's why it has become an echo chamber. And yes, it is important, but... Literally, we all know Christmas is pagan. We know about Saturnalia. So how much more is that going to go on for, you know, everything we talked about, especially at the end of last season, season five. But here's another important thing. Yes, the calendar is important. Yes, understanding the calendar of the Most High is important. Yes, understanding the feast days is important. Yes, understanding the Shabbats, the Sabbaths are important as well. They are definitely important, not trying to take away from that. They are the Most High set apart in holy days. But here's just something that I want to encourage you with and have you think about as well. How many Sabbaths are there per year? There's one Sabbath per week and there's 52 weeks in a year. So there's 52 Sabbaths per year. How many new month festivals are there? Not new moons, new month. There's 12 new month feast days per year, right? Once a month. So you have 52 Shabbats, 12 uh, new month feast days. So 52 plus 12 equals 64, right? So those are 64 set apart days right there. 
then you have the feast days in the spring and the feast days in the fall. And if you want to hear what we covered at last season in season five, speaking about the feast days and the paradigm shift and how spiritual it all is, TPR 250, feast days revisited, TPR 251, spiritual sacrifices, start there and go from there. But we covered how, so in the spring, you have in addition to the new months and the Sabbaths, you have the Passover and then seven days of unleavened bread. And then you have Shavuot first fruits. And then in the fall, you have the the Feast of Trumpets, which is really just a new month feast day of the seventh month. And then you have the Day of Atonement and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the true feast of dedication, like you can hear about in TPR 250, um, right? Which also Feast of Dedication, aka Feast of Tabernacles, also has uh eight consecutive days of feasting right so between the shabbats and the new months like we said there's 64 of those and then you add the feast days in the spring and in the fall that is literally less than 100 feast days total set apart days including the sabbaths including the new months and all the feast days, there's less than 100 feast days in the whole year. There's 364 days in the year. And there is, give or take, rounding up, let's say just about or under 100 feast days in the year, including the Sabbaths, the new months, and the feast days, right? So, what I want to encourage you with is that means less than one third of the year is feast days or set apart days, right? So a lot of people focus so much on, you got to keep the Sabbath, you got to keep the feast days. Yes, that is in the 10 commandments. Yes, in Exodus 34. Yes, that is what the Most High has commanded us to do. He told us to keep the feast days. He told us to keep the Sabbath. He told us to keep the set apart days. Definitely not taken away from that. But what we also have to understand is, how is the rest of your walk other than those feast days? If out of those 100 days of the year, you're keeping the feast days and you're righteous, but the other... 260 something days you're in sin or you're lying or you're not being a good neighbor uh, what are the two greatest commandments loving the most high and loving your neighbor as yourself and the torah and the prophets hang on those two commandments right so yes the feast days are important yes the set apart days are important yes the sabbath is important it's a sign between us and the most high but it's not the end all be all it's not the most important part of our walk because how are we walking every single day? Are we taking up our cross every day, living in righteousness, striving for righteousness, fearing the most high, praising the most high, worshiping the most high? So yes, the feast days are important. Definitely not taken away from that. But like I said, there's 200 something, 264 days per year all the other days of the year where we could be praising the most high, putting in work, worshiping him, fearing him. We have to be doing all those things. And then only a hundred days are set apart days throughout the year. So yes, it's very important, but I just wanted to kind of explain that when you look at the percentages of it, less than one third of the year are set apart days. And that means there's two thirds of the year to also be putting in work and to be praising the most high. And perfecting our walks with the most high and being those living sacrifices and acceptable sacrifices to the most high. So I just wanted to put that out there and have you think about that as well, because I think it's important. Um, you know, so the reason you should be encouraged is if you can't figure out the calendar, if you are still learning the Sabbath, if you're still learning the feast days, bro, sis, that is perfectly fine because that's just a portion of our walk. You know what I'm saying? There's so many other, think about it like this. This is a perfect example, right? 
Think about when you're in school and you have uh, the, when at the beginning of the semester, at the beginning of the class, they give out um, like the sheet or the rubric, the grading rubric or the uh, outline for the class. I forget what they even call it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they give you like the breakdown of what your grade is going to consist of, right? So they say like exams are 25%, the midterm is 30% or the final is 30%, class participation, attendance, uh, homework are all these percentages making up the grade, right? So let's look at this as if it was a course, right? And most high willing, I'm recording this in March or this episode is coming out in March of 2024, right on the cusp of it. The most high woke me up at the start of 2020. Speaking of courses, it's like four years later. It's like some of us are starting to graduate, you know, from this university of the most high that he had us in this, these courses over the four years of learning, learning this different stuff. But let's stick on topic. We might get back to that later in this episode, but let's stay on topic. So if the feast days and the set apart days are about or less than 100 days per year, and there's 364 days, that's only one third of the year are set apart days, right? So even if that's one third of our grade, right? Let's say 30% of our grade is the feast days and the Shabbats, right? But like I said, then you have, so what is that other 70%, you know, the midterm, the final, the homework, the participation points, right? So even if you don't have the Sabbaths and the new months and the feast days and the calendar and the set apart days down pat, that's only worth 30% of your grade, beloved. So even if you get, even if you get 20 points out of 30, you can make up some of those other points. Or even if you only have half, you, you get, if it's worth 30 points out of a hundred points and you get 15 points for those things, you still have a whole lot of other things where you can make up points with your homework percentage or your attendance or your class participation or your midterm or your final exam. And what does this consist of? Well, how often throughout the year are you giving alms, right? If you're righteous on the, on the feast days, but you are not doing other acts of righteousness all throughout the year, then that's only one third of the year that you're righteous. But even if you don't have the feast days down, but all throughout the year, you're helping your neighbor, you're giving alms in secret, glorifying Yahuwah through the high priest, Yahushua Mashiach, hallelujah. You're reading scriptures, you're sharing scriptures, you're being that light of the world. That's how you start racking up points for your grade. You know, so the feast days are, and the set apart days in the calendar are just a small percentage of our grade. And there's so many other points to be made all throughout the year that can bump up your grade, right? So be encouraged. And a lot of us that speak out in the truth, you know, we're always saying, all right, keep the feast days or keep the Sabbath. Yes, it is important. Yes, the Most High commanded us to do that. But in a sense, it, I get the sense that people kind of get overwhelmed, that it feels like we're putting such a great emphasis on these things. And yes, they are important, but there are so many other things of righteousness. How is the rest of your walk doing on those other 200 and something days per year, right? How are you walking every day, not just on the Sabbath, not just on the feast days, but are you taking up your cross daily? right to worship the most high. So I wanted to um, just explain that for you as well. And like I said, <laughs> some of us are graduating um, after, you know, four years of being in this truth. Some people have been on this, in this walk for longer than four years. Some of you are taking your uh, fifth year. Shout out to EJ for saying that, <laughs> that example. Some of you are taking your fifth year. Some of you are 
you know, are still freshmen or sophomores. But some of us, you know, are graduating from the four years and moving on to the next level, the next grade. Some of us are hitting up grad school, you know, metaphorically, spiritually, glory and praise of the Most High. So it's all coming full circle and it's really interesting. So just wanted to explain that about the calendar, the feast days, stuff like that. Now, let's get to... um like I mentioned about giving alms in secret, right? And in TPR 259, which is, uh, that episode is called uh, Spiritual Sacrifices Meet Spiritual Warfare, TPR 259. And at the beginning of that episode, I was also talking about um, the end times and the tribulation and stuff like that. And some verses that I uh, said in that episode is Sirach or Ecclesiasticus chapter 29, 12 and 13. Shut up alms in thy storehouses and it shall deliver thee from all affliction. It shall fight for thee against thine enemies better than a mighty shield and a strong spear. Right? And also just a side point, pit stop. In TPR 270, Famine of the Word, we were speaking about seeking the Most High in a time when he can be found in Isaiah 55. And another scripture, I I heard this when I was recording or listening to uh, the one hour of Psalms episode that I put out, but Psalms 32, line six, for this shall everyone that is holy pray unto you in a time when you may be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him, right? Praying to the most high in a time when he may be found, Psalms 32, line six. So that's interesting. And Another important scripture to read is um, Psalms chapter 37. And before we get there, I'm kind of jumping all around with these scriptures, but I'll bring it all together. Uh, Proverbs 19, 17, right? Let's see this. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. He that has pity upon the poor lends unto Yahuwah, and that which he has given will he pay him again. So I'm going to get to these scriptures um, about the alms, but let's read Psalms 37. This is so classic, and as far as the end times, this is so important, and we will get back to uh, these scriptures about giving alms and bringing it all together, but Psalms 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in Yahuwah and do good, so shall you dwell in the land, and truly you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in Yahuwah, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto Yahuwah, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass." And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in Yahuwah and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon Yahuwah, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, you shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes upon him with his teeth. Adonai shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. 
The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but Yahuwah upholds the righteous. Yahuwah knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of Yahuwah shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and to smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borrows and pays not again, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by Yahuwah, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for Yahuwah upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For Yahuwah loves judgment, and forsakes not his saints, They are guarded forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. The Torah of his Elohim is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. Yahuwah will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on El Yahuwah and guard his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the Yasharee, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of Yahuwah. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And Yahuwah shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. All praise of the Most High. That is so classic. I love Psalms 37. That hits so, hits so deep for me. Hits, hits home for me, for real. And that's super blessed. Glory and praise to the Most High. Hallelujah. But what I really want to focus on is Psalms 37, line 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, right? So, yes, there is going to be an evil time. There is going to be judgment on the earth. But this says, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, right? So that right there can tell you in the evil time they will not be ashamed. The, the righteous, right, the upright, will not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, right? So keep that in mind. And like I read before, Sirach 29, 12 and 13. Shut up alms in thy storehouses, and it shall deliver thee from all affliction. It shall fight for thee against thy enemies better than a mighty shield and strong spear. And we covered other scriptures at the start of TPR 259, but this concept of if we are righteous now, then when the evil time comes, Yah willing, we will be guarded, we will be protected. In the famine, we will be fed, right? 
All right. And like I said, Proverbs 19, 17, he that has pity upon the poor lends unto Yahuwah and that which he has given, will he pay him again? So another important scripture I want to go to is I'm going to read Matthew chapter 24, which is really important. And really the parallel of this is Luke chapter 21, which we read at the end of, at some point in season five of TPR, but um, at the beginning of Luke 21, starting at line one. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of Elohim. But she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. Right, So we'll read the rest of Luke 21 again, and then we'll read Matthew 24. But beloved, this right here is so important. And a realization that I had, glory to the Most High, is see how Messiah said that what she, uh, and he said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of Elohim, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. Right? So she only gave two mites, but it was worth more. And and we covered in TPR 259 and in Matthew 6, which we covered in TPR 202, prepare part two in Matthew 6, all throughout the fifth season of TPR. But in Matthew 6, lay up for yourselves, not treasures in earth, right? Let's just get it right here, but stack up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, starting at line 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And like we covered in 202, prepare part two. You could stack up all the treasures, all the food, all the water that you want. And this even says where thieves break through and steal. So if you stack up all the food and water that you want, but you don't have the spiritual covering, then what happens if someone comes into your house and takes all that stuff or your house burns down or there's a flood or you have to leave your house because you didn't have a spiritual covering, then what are you going to do, right? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? And then uh, in line 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for a raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if Elohim so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the other nations seek. For your heavenly Father knows that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? What we covered last season. And we also spoke about in TPR 259 and in so many episodes about stacking up treasures in heaven. That's why in line 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, line 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So all this righteousness that we do, we're stacking up spiritual treasures in heaven that don't wither away, right? So to go back to Luke 21 with the widow's might, and he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow is cast in more than they all, for all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of Elohim, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had, and penury means like poverty. So in the physical world, she gave two mites, right? But spiritually, Messiah said that she gave more than all the rest because everyone else out of their abundance was giving what they had, but she out of her poverty gave what she had. And her two mites was worth more spiritually. So that was a spiritual treasure that she was stacking up in heaven. And Messiah was putting us on game. He was telling us that spirit, that physically, even though it was two mites, spiritually it was worth more, right? So the lesson that I learned and want to encourage you with is, beloved, do not rush through your poverty season, your penury season. Why? Because here's the thing is the Most High is always saving us from ourselves, right? He, this is why his ways are not our ways. In Isaiah 55, like we covered in TPR 270, famine of the word, seek him while he can be found. And his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours, right? Because the Most High is always saving us from ourselves. In our mind, we're always like, you know, oh, I want the blessing. Oh, I want more money. I want more abundance. I want more riches, right? But we don't see the big picture. So here's the thing right here is don't rush through your poverty season. Don't rush through your penury season. Why? Because the alms that you give when you're broke or when you don't have a large abundance, those spiritual treasures are worth more. So in our mind, we're trying to rush it. We're like, oh, I want the next blessing. I want more abundance. I want to have more security. But you don't realize that. And the scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. So before you get that, just know this, when the Most High does trust you with riches or abundance, that means more has been given to you. So more is required. That means you must be giving more alms. And the way to practice is before you even get the abundance, before you even get the blessings, start doing the spiritual work now. Because if you, here's the thing is, if you say, oh, I'm too broke right now, I can't give alms, I'll wait till I have abundance, then you're not really showing, like the Most High is watching you and he's like, okay, why should I give you abundance if now you're like, what are you going to do with that abundance? Oh, uh, you're going to give alms with it? That's what you say now. But if you're not giving alms out of your penury, why should the Most High trust you to give alms when you have abundance? And more importantly, the alms that you do do now in your penury, in your poverty season, and 
even if it's even if you're not super broke, but if you're just like barely getting by and you only have a little bit of extra income, like you're not super broke and you have nothing, but you don't have all that you desire, you're in that middle ground, you're still in your penury season, your poverty season, and you don't want to rush through this because here's the thing, those Sirach verses I where it said alms will fight for you in the day of affliction, right? We covered more scriptures in TPR 259 at the beginning of the episode. Alms will fight for us in days of affliction. So here's how the Most High always has our back is in our mind, we're like, oh, I want abundance. I want this. I want more security. But you don't realize is if the Most High gave you $10,000 right now, that's a short term little blessing for you. But it's better if he withholds the $10,000 because in the meantime, when you're giving alms in Yahusha's name, glorifying the father, you're stacking up more spiritual treasures that will end up fighting for you in the tribulation when it really matters. When if there's a digital currency, what are you going to do with $10,000? You probably might not even be able to touch $10,000. But what's more important is those spiritual treasures that you stacked up in the meantime, now and in your penury season. Because here's the thing is, she, the widow gave two mites and it was worth more than all that abundance. So what I'm saying is if right now you are just barely getting by, you're living paycheck to paycheck, but you take $5 and give alms with $5, that means more than if the most high gave you a million dollars, then you have to be literally be giving a hundred thousand dollars and more and more and more just to try and keep up with giving $5 now, because to whom much is given much is required. And like I said, anybody can get like, like Messiah even said in the scriptures say, like anybody can give on, like if you have all the money in the world, anybody can give alms because it means nothing to you. But if you're barely getting by and you take $5, that me, that's a big portion of, of all your income of your net worth and you give alms with it and glorify the father and don't respect, expect anything in return. That is a huge spiritual blessing that you're stacking up up there. Meanwhile, if you had $10 million, then even if you give a million in alms, it's really nothing because you're giving it out of your abundance. Whereas if you give it out of your poverty, your penury, it means more. And this is how the Most High is guarding us because he sees the tribulation that's coming. And he says, hey, son of mine, if I give you the blessing now, then that's going to eliminate these poverty season alms that you could be giving. So what I'm saying is, don't rush through your penury season because everyone wants the blessing. Everyone wants the blessing. But we don't realize that then when the tribulation is happening, you're going to wish that you gave alms more in your penury season because those blessings mean more. Those spiritual treasures will fight harder because you did it out of your poverty, not out of your abundance, right? And so this is why the most highs ways are not our ways. In our mind, we're so short-minded of, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, it'll help me. Yeah, you'll feel secure in the matrix, but if your spiritual treasures up there are barren, then what good is it going to do for you, especially in the tribulation? But if you're patient during your poverty and you are still giving alms, one, you're showing the most high that you can be trusted with riches because if you're giving alms when you're poor, then you'll definitely be giving alms when you have abundance. But if you're saying, oh, I can't afford it now. I got to wait for till I have abundance. You're not really showing the most high that you can even be trusted with it. So there's so many layers to this, so many levels to it. My thoughts are kind of all over the place. Hopefully this makes sense. And here's the thing too, beloved, is so if you say to yourself or to the most high or to me or whatever, if you say I'm barely getting by and I cannot afford to give alms, 
If you're saying you can't afford to give alms, honestly, that means that you should be giving alms even more if you can't afford it. Because the Messiah told us that giving alms when you can't afford it is worth more than giving alms when you can afford it out of your abundance. But if you do it out of your poverty, it's literally worth more. So I know what it's like. I said on this podcast series before, I have screenshots on my phone where both of my bank accounts had a negative amount in both of them. I know what it's like to be super down bad and to literally have nothing, like not even have a cent or a dollar to spare. I understand that. But even if you are in that position or you're just above that position and every week you're paycheck to paycheck, you don't even have a dollar to spare. But if one day you say, instead of buying a banana at the store or instead of buying a soda or a Arizona iced tea, whatever, if it's $1, beloved, if you take $1 and instead of buying something for yourself, if you go to the supermarket and buy $1 worth of food, it could be like a bag of peanuts or it could be a um, like a dried fruit or a box of rice is like $1.75 or maybe $2 it bro. If you are living paycheck to paycheck and you don't even have $2 to spare, but if one if one week or one day out of the week you sacrifice $2 for yourself where you buy an Arizona or something and you take that $2 and buy one box of rice and take it to a food bank and don't tell anyone about it and do it in secret and glorify Yahuwah through the high priest Yahusha, that spiritual treasure means more than a millionaire who just sent a million boxes of rice to a food bank. Keep that in mind. So what I'm saying to you is if you're saying, nah, I can't afford to give any alms, then that should mean that you should be giving alms even more. Because if you just do it and sacrifice for yourself and give glory to the most high, even if you can't afford it, but if you just have a dollar seventy-five or less, you can find something at the grocery store. You could find a little bag of peanuts or almonds for literally probably less than a dollar. And if you give that to the food bank, you're sacrificing something for yourself, for somebody else, for your neighbor. And it's a spiritual sacrifice. And that little treasure in heaven is so much greater than we can realize. And that might be the difference for surviving through the tribulation. Because then if, just like we saw in Proverbs, the Most High will lend it. If you lend to Yahuwah, he will give it back to you. Let's see it. Proverbs 1917, he that has pity upon the poor lends unto Yahuwah, and that which he has given will he pay him again. So if you give a box of rice or a little bag of peanuts or almonds to the poor, the Most High will give it back to you. So then possibly in the tribulation when it's a lot harder to get food or stuff, then the Most High will say, good thing you did it when you when you could, even when you couldn't afford it. Good thing you did it then because now I'll give it back to you, beloved. And like I said, don't rush through your poverty season because the Most High knows what he's doing. He knows the tribulation that's coming. He knows that it's going to be hard to endure. He knows that we need these spiritual treasures up in heaven. So he's put by him pushing off the abundance, because like I said, once you are trusted with riches, once you are trusted with those, that large abundance to whom much is given, much is required. So you are required even more. So if you want to start being prepared to have abundance and riches, start getting in the habit of giving alms now in your poverty season, because you will be showing the most high that you could be trustworthy. Like I said, it's easy for us to say, oh, I'll do it when I have abundance. I'll do it when I'm more set, set, set up and set, set off or better off. But 
If you do it now in your poverty season, one, those spiritual treasures mean more. Two, you'll be showing the most high that you can be trusted. And three, the most high knows what he's doing. If he gave us what we wanted, it would destroy ourselves. Like I said, if I ask any of you right now, would $10,000 help you right now? I'm sure every single person would say, yes, it will. But you don't realize is if the most high waits six months to give you $10,000 in that six month period, if once per month you gave alms, that's six spiritual treasures that mean more because you're still in your poverty season, you're still in your penury season. Those treasures that you stack up, those alms that you do mean more than if the most high gave you $10,000 right now, because then you would miss out on those six months of poverty season, quote unquote. So don't be trying to rush through that season. Just wait, wait on the most high. And in the meantime, start doing these spiritual things, glorifying Yahuwah through the high priest, Yahushua HaMashiach. These spiritual treasures are necessary. And like I said, the most high sees the tribulation coming. And he says, son or daughter, if I give you the blessing now, then it's going to take away from your spiritual treasures up there. So I'm pushing off the blessing for right now so that you can utilize your penury season, stack up these major treasures in heaven because the most high knows you're going to need it to get through the tribulation right? So his ways are not our ways. He knows best. Our father knows best. And like I said, he's saving us from ourselves because we, if we had it our way, we just say, give us all the abundance now. And then up there, we got moths flying around in our spiritual treasures because no matter how many alms we're giving out of our abundance, it's not going to hit the same as when we were down bad, when we were struggling, when we were paycheck to paycheck, or even when we just had a little disposable income, Give alms with that stuff, beloved. And you don't have to break the bank. You don't have to go crazy. Like I said, you're going to tell me you don't have a $1.75 for a box of rice or $2 or $3. That's all it takes. Just take one box of rice to a food bank. And literally that's going to one box of rice is like probably five to eight servings in there. And that's going to feed probably a family or whoever it's going to feed multiple times. So you're sacrificing yourself for them. And here's some other ways that you can um, give alms as well. Here's another perfect example, right? Just say every week you buy for yourself, for your house, a 24 pack of water, right? 24, a 24 pack of water, which probably runs like $6 or something. You know, what you can also do is that, if you buy a 24 pack of water, if you take one water, so if you, if you're in that situation like that, I was in where I said, I have a screenshot from both my bank accounts having negative amount in there. If you're in that situation, you say, I don't even have a dollar 75 to buy a box of rice, but you have a case of water in your house right now, literally pull out one of those water bottles out of the 24 pack, take it to a food bank. They'll take it. They take water. They don't need just food. They take water. If you literally take one water bottle to a food bank and you, that means more to the most high than someone giving a hundred cases of water out of their abundance, literally. So if you're saying to yourself or you're saying to me or you're saying to the most high, I literally cannot afford to give any alms. I don't even have a dollar to spare. If you have a case of water in your house, pull out one water bottle out of there. And if it's a 24 pack and it costs $6, then one, then one water bottle in there is like costing cents. You're giving alms with like one water bottle. That's it. Literally think smarter that way. Here are some other things that you could do as well. Luke chapter three, starting at line 11, he answered and said unto them, he that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has food, let him do likewise, right? 
So, beloved, if you say I don't have a dollar to or two dollars to buy a box of rice, okay. If you go into your closet and pull out one t-shirt, one t-shirt, and give that to, you know, whether it be the Goodwill or any other way that you could donate clothes, one t-shirt, if you can find, and I know how it is, like you might not have a hoodie to spare, you might not have a jacket to spare, you might not have shoes to spare, but if you can go into that closet and pull out one t-shirt or one pair of socks or one pair of shorts or one beanie or one pair of gloves, if you, that'll, that will cost you $0. If it's already in your closet right now, that will cost you $0. If you have a case of water in your house right now, pulling out $1, one water bottle will not cost you anything. You don't have to even buy anything in addition to what you've already bought. One bottle of water, one pair of socks, one pair of gloves, one beanie, one hat, one coat, one t-shirt, beloved. And if you give alms with that and glorify Yahuwah and do it in secret, Glorify Yahuwah through Yahusha. That is a spiritual treasure that means more to the Most High. So we got to think outside the box, guys. We don't have to break the bank. When it says give alms, it doesn't mean you got to pull up with the Brinks truck and unload however many boxes of rice and and all this cash and say, here you go, I'm balling out like the the hypocrites do on social media, right? Showing what they're doing. We don't got to do all that. Literally pull out one water bottle out of that case of water, one t-shirt beloved if you can find one t-shirt in your closet that you don't wear anymore even if it's stained who cares because a homeless person or if you find a homeless person on the street and give it to them they don't care if there's a little tiny rip in it they don't care if there's a little stain on it these are things that we can do to literally cost us zero dollars and these are spiritual treasures up there in heaven to help us get through the tribulation and it will show the most high that we're thinking of him. We're putting him first. So this is what I'm saying is these are, if you're like, oh man, I can't understand the feast days. You don't have to understand the feast days to go into your closet and pull out a t-shirt and give alms with it or to go and buy literally one box of rice and give it to a food bank. Glory to Yah. You don't have to understand the calendar or the feast days or the Shabbats to do any of that. And that's what I mean is look at this walk as a whole. There's so many different aspects of this that are important for us to consider. And like Messiah said, he answered and said unto them, he that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has food, let him do likewise. Say less. You know what I'm saying? Like if you got two shirts, if you got a few shirts, give alms with them. If you got a case of water, give a water bottle away or two or three or four. If you get four away out of the 24 pack or one, Right. So what I'm saying is if you're in a situation where you say, I literally can't afford to give alms, this should mean that you should be doing it even more because you will be that widow casting in two mites and the Messiah will literally be looking down on you saying this brother or this son or this daughter, this brother, this sister just gave more than all these other people because they gave it out of their poverty. So if you're saying to yourself, man, I can't afford to give alms, that means you should be trying to find some way to give alms because you're doing it out of your penury. Glory to Yah, right? And even if you're like, oh, I can afford it, but it's still a little sketchy. I don't have that much disposable income. You don't got to go crazy. Start with a box of rice. Start with a t-shirt in your closet. Go from there and grow from there and watch the peace. Watch the blessings. Watch the most high fight for you and reward you, right? So if you're at, and if you're at this place where you're 
discouraged or you don't know where to go. You feel like you can't hear from the most high. Like this is what it means. Matthew 6, 33 to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things will be added onto you. If you give away your shirts, you'll get more back. If you give away a coat, you'll get more back. If you give away food, you'll get more back. If you give away abundance, you will get more back, beloved. So we got to have this mindset and the scriptures tell us to do these things, all praise and glory to the most high. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. And before we get to some more ways to be able to thrive through the tribulation, right? Not just survive, but to be able to thrive. Before we get there, we're going to read Luke 21 and Matthew 24. And there's going to be some verses in here that we'll touch on even later in this episode that are going to be important. But let's just read and we'll speak a little bit more. Luke chapter 21. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in under the offerings of Elohim. But she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. And as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Rabbi, when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Hamashiach, and the time draws near. Go ye not therefore after them. Remember that line. We're going to get back to that later on. Line 8 of Luke 21. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Hamashiach, and the time draws near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish, and your patience possess ye yet your souls. And when ye shall see Yerushalayim compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Yahrashalahim shall be trodden down of the other nations, until the times of the other nations be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. 
men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of Adam coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. And he spoke to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shew forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of Elohim is nigh at hand. Amen, I say unto you, this nation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Adam. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. All right, so classic scripture, Luke 21. And keep in mind, like I said, line eight, and he said, take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Hamashiach, and the time draws near. Go ye not, therefore, after them. All right, and then we're going to get more of the same here in Matthew chapter 24. And Yahusha went out and departed from the temple, and his Talmidium came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yahusha said unto them, See ye not all these things? Amen, I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the Talmudium came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the world? And Yahusha answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Mashiach, and shall deceive many. Keep that in mind. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Super important right here, line 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because the transgression of the Torah shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this basura of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso reads, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Shabbat. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. 
Very important, line 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Mashiach, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Mashiachs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, so much so that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the son of Adam be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Adam in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Adam coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a shofar, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Amen, I say unto you, this nation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of Adam be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the son of Adam be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Adonai comes. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the son of Adam comes. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Adonai has made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Adonai, when he comes, shall find so doing. Amen, I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Adonai delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Adonai of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him, and in in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so that was Matthew chapter 24. Lot, another classic scripture, a lot of important things in there. We're going to get back to that about the false Mashiachs and the great signs and wonders and stuff. But first, let's start on a lighter note before we get there. So, beloved, like I mentioned, I'm kind of jumping all over, but we'll get back to that in Matthew. We'll we'll just keep following the progression of this. But I mentioned about not just surviving the tribulation, right? But how can we possibly thrive, right? So I mentioned earlier survival. When people think about prep, preparing and everything like that, they start thinking about food and water, being able to grow your own food, having water, stuff like that, right? That is necessary for survival. But as far as thriving, right, 
there again with like the giving alms like i said we don't have to go so extreme where we're pulling up in a huge truck and giving all this food and all these alms and all this money we could just start by doing the little tiny things and the little things will actually go a long way spiritually like we just covered and even now going into the physical the things i'm about to speak of these will go a long way as well and this also has spiritual meanings to it as well so Here's a perfect example, right? And with the mainstream, right? You hear them. I don't even want to talk about the mainstream yet. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll expose them or get to that in a moment. But it's no secret that, you know, in 2020, right? There was the COVID uh, pandemic, right? And suddenly, unexpectedly, you know, we could there were so many things that we couldn't do right you couldn't go to the gym you couldn't go and get your hair cut you know simple things like that or you could go to the gym but you would have to wear a mask or you know fight super hard to not wear a mask or whatever but or you could get your hair cut but you had to wear a mask but for a certain time like literally it was all closed right and not to give the dark side credit a lot of what the dark side says is actually fear porn and we're going to speak more about that as well like especially now after the great awakening they just put stuff out there to scare us like i'll just say it now like people give the dark side too much credit so when bill gates is talking about the next pandemic yes that could happen there could be another whether it's a real pandemic a fake one or both there could be another pandemic. You know, they're t- they always say that phrase, the next pandemic, the next pandemic. And a lot of this stuff is just fear porn. A perfect example is recently, like the movie that everyone was talking about, and I don't even like to talk about it or expose stuff from the mainstream. But in this episode, in a little bit, we're actually going to talk about the mainstream a little bit. But recently, everyone was talking about Leave the World Behind, the movie by the Obamas. I didn't watch it. I didn't look into it. But everyone was talking about in, in the truth or community. Bro, sis, they know that this is what I've been explaining, especially since last year, is it's chess, not checkers. They know that there is a whole truther community out there. So they know that if they put out a movie like Leave the World Behind, they know that all the conspiracy theorists are going to be on that in two seconds, exposing it and saying, look what they're doing. They're putting it in plain sight. Yes, they could be. But a lot of this stuff is just fear porn now because they know that there is a truther community that's going to expose it. So yes, those things could come true and that stuff could happen. And same thing with the next pandemic. There could be another one, but we have, this is why I don't even talk about the mainstream anymore. This is why I focus on things that are pure and lovely and focus on the most high in scripture and stuff like that is because If we are always focusing on the mainstream, like I said, it's chess, not checkers. Checkers is like, but we're exposing darkness. We're exposing what they're doing to us. It's like the chess moves is they know we're going to expose it. So they put it out there because they know that there's a bunch of conspiracy theorists that are going to point it out. And it's just more fear porn. Um, And yes, it could happen eventually, but that's why I don't even focus on those things. So but let's get back, scale it back. We'll speak even more about that, what the points I just said, but I just teased it for you. Let's come back now. Whether there, So if there was another pandemic, not to make you scared, but just the reality of it is the first time there was a pandemic in 2020, like I said, I'm at this point where things are coming full circle. It's like four years later, right? It was around this time, right? When the pandemic, all this stuff happened, right? And 
if and when there was another pandemic or just the first time in 2020, you couldn't go get your hair cut, you couldn't go to the gym, these things that we take for granted. So a way that you can thrive in the tribulation and thrive in the matrix is, here's a perfect example, is lately in this year of 2024, I started cutting my own hair at home. I stopped going to a barbershop. I haven't been to a barbershop yet in 2024. And I started cutting my own hair at home. And granted, I just rock a buzz cut. So it's super easy for me to just, you know, buzz the top of buzz the top and sides of my hair and shape up the beard and stuff like that. But I started cutting my own hair at home. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because and and same thing and also with working out right if the gym is closed or the barbershops are closed you don't it's good to be able to do these things and to know how to do these things this is how we'll be able to thrive in the tribulation yes to survive the tribulation yes we need food and water and that's what everybody always focuses on but you don't have to always focus on those things you can focus on little things like if you learn how to cut your own hair then if there is another pandemic, and for the ladies as well, this could be applicable to you as well, not just with the guys, not even with cutting your own hair, but if you have a husband or you have a man, you could help him cut his hair. So ladies, don't check out just yet. Like, And I'm going to get the things with the gym and other things, just getting you thinking. I'm giving these two examples with the haircuts in the gym to get you thinking and working out to get you thinking about other things that fall in line with this is remember in 2020, take yourself back there, bros. If your hair was wilding out, And just anybody, no matter whether it's a pandemic or not, if you go a long time without a haircut, then when you finally get a haircut, it feels so good. Like you're like, wow, like it's like a morale boost, right? So think about this is if the next pandemic happens and you already know how to cut your hair at home and you have clippers, you have the tools to do it, then when they shut down the barbershops or if they shut down the barbershops, you're like, I'm good. I've already been cutting my hair at home or you know what I'm saying? And, And it's a morale boost. So even with the things of surviving the food and the water, right? Just say, how much worse is it if you don't have food, you don't have water and your hair's crazy and you feel like it feels good to get a haircut. It's these little things that will help us thrive. Same thing with working out, right? If you are relying on the gym right now, then what if during the tribulation, you can't go to a gym, right? You want to have stuff at home and you don't need much. You could get some dumbbells. You could get some medicine balls or a medicine ball or, you know, a ball to do crunches on or just little things. You don't have to have a whole home gym of a bench press and machines. You don't have to have a whole home gym, but just start moving in these directions, beloved. This is my advice for you and how you can thrive, whether it's the dark side things, whether it's the tribulation, or even just when the world is normal. I love cutting my hair at home now. For guys, it can save you money. It's a small investment. And for guys, I'll get to the thing about guys, but this is what I'm saying is just start small. You don't have to go and buy a whole home gym. Just buy a dumbbell or a kettlebell or a medicine ball, or workout bands, you know, to to do stuff like that, or buy a pull-up bar. Guys, also too, bros, we should be doing push-ups. Like, there, there's a study I saw recently that, like, it said if you do 40 push-ups a day, it will increase and help your cardio, um, or your cardiovascular, your health heart, your heart health, if you do 40 push-ups a day. So bros, we should definitely be doing push-ups at home. Like even if you go to the gym too, just do push-ups throughout the day. If you do 40 push-ups a day, that's perfect. If you could bump it up to 50 or do 100 push-ups a day, that will help so much. Or if you have a pull-up bar, start rocking some pull-ups. Like 
this will help just your your mental health, your physical. If you're trying to get back in shape, this is a perfect time to start new things. Start rocking push-ups. I've been doing push-ups a lot and it's been awesome. So that's what I would say. And so what I'm saying to you, beloved, is like, yes, everyone focuses on um, prepping and having food and water. But what about these other things, simple things like getting a pair of hair clippers and learning how to do it? And even if you don't rock a buzz cut, but you want to learn how to cut your own hair, this is what YouTube and all these platforms are for. How many YouTube videos are there for no matter what your hairstyle is, you can learn how to cut your hair at home if you want to. And as far as men too, this is what, and here's the other thing too, really importantly is if, so just say, right now, and you don't, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not calling this episode prepare part three, cause I don't want to freak you out and have you rushing out to go buy gym equipment and hair clippers and all this stuff. But just if you have money here and there, just, you know, invest in this small things, a medicine ball, hair clippers, little things, and start thinking outside the box, right? And here's the thing, right? So then when the tribulation happens, right? Just say you got a couple pairs of hair clippers, right? And all the barbershops are closed and it's a tribulation. And your neighbor comes over and says, yo, bro, I, I really want a haircut. And you say, well, I actually know how to cut my own hair. I, I could give you a buzz cut if you want. Come on over. And he's like, oh, I bet. Like, that's blessed, right? You give him a haircut. Or if you have two clippers, you could say, here, you want a pair of clippers? I'll, I'll just give you one, right? And this neighbor of yours might have their own vegetable garden where they have tomatoes and lettuce and food. So even if you don't have a garden of your own, you don't have all the food and water stored up, but if you have hair clippers or you have, just say your neighbor comes over and says, man, I'm fiending for a workout, man. I haven't touched a dumbbell or a bench press or anything in a minute. And you say, yo, bro, I got dumbbells at my house or I, I got a bench press or I got a medicine ball. Come work out over here. And he says, all right, bet. And brings over some tomatoes for you. Or like I said, with the haircut, think smart this way is, and I said in these prepare episodes, 202 part two and 158 prepare part one. We want to have, this is what I encourage you to do. And it's not to freak you out. It's not to scare you. It's not fear porn, but start moving in the direction where you want to have things and assets that are useful and beneficial. Because what does $10,000 in your savings account do if you can't go to the bank to withdraw it, or there is no more bank accounts and it's all a digital currency or the mark of the beast? What is that money going to do for you? Nothing. So instead of having your money sitting in the bank account, maybe start to, and like we covered before, the spiritual alms, that's super important. But then, and here's the thing too, is if you're giving alms consistently, then the most high will start blessing you. So he's like, all right, you could get a pair of hair clippers. You could get some gym equipment, right? Give to the most high and he will give it back to you. And then once you've been giving righteousness, then you could start investing in some other things that will help you to prepare. So Start thinking smart this way. If we want to have things. We want to have books that we can read so we're not relying on technology. You want to have books to read. Things that will be helpful, you know, rope, uh, flashlights, things that you can use. And then this way too, if your neighbor comes to you and says, oh man, I don't have a flashlight. And you say, oh, well, I've eight right here. Here, just take one. And your neighbor says, all right, cool. I got food or tomatoes or or." Whatever you may need, your neighbor may have it. And what your neighbor may need, you may have it. This is why it's important to just, and this is not to drive you crazy. This is not for fear porn, but just keep this in mind as, as you start progressing on, just add little things here and there that will be helpful for you. It'll be helpful to have books. It'll be helpful to have a bike. It'll be helpful to have 
X, Y, and Z. And then if you have it, you could share it with your neighbor. And then whatever your neighbor has, they can share with you, right? This is how we are going to not only survive the tribulation, but thrive. And this is what it means to be a man as far as uh, us men, right? Is when we think of manhood, right? The stereotypical things, like I said, the extreme things of when you think about preparations is having a whole bunker of food and water or the extreme things about working out is having a whole home gym, but we don't have to be extreme. Just get little tiny things here and there and it'll go such a long way. Just like spiritually with the alms, a teeny tiny one box of rice or bag of peanuts will go so far spiritually. And same thing even with these physical things, one pair of hair clippers or one dumbbell or one kettlebell can go so much farther than we think. We don't have to go crazy in our minds with these extremes of having a bunker of all this preparations or having a home gym. No, start small and grow from there and watch the most high bless you in return and grow you because you did the spiritual righteousness as well. And same thing for men, right? When we think of men, we think of the extreme things of what does it mean to be a man is, oh, I know how to fix cars. I know how to build a house and I know how to do all this stuff. Yeah, if you could do that, great. Those are valuable assets to have. But again, if you don't know how to fix a car, if you don't know how to build a house, What's something that you can learn? What's a skill that you can learn that can come in handy is something as simple as how to give somebody a haircut, a buzz cut, how to, you know what I'm saying? Because then if your neighbor who does know how to fix a car has food and water, but he doesn't have hair clippers or he doesn't know how to cut his hair, you could just, all right, bro, I'll give you a haircut or I'll give you these clippers. And then he'll be like, all right, I'll give you this in return. This is what it means to be a man is to be able to do different things. And we don't have to go out and conquer the whole world and say, I know how to fix a car. I know how to build a house. Just hop on YouTube and learn how to give somebody a buzz cut or, you know, anything. Think outside the box like this, right? These stereotypical things of manhood. And yeah, those are important. And yes, if you can do those things, that's blessed. But that's not the end all be all. Just be able to do different things. This is what it means to be a, to be a man is to be able to contribute different things, to be able to fend for yourself as well. Like even now, while the world is normal. Like it's good to be able to know how to do things for yourself, how to cut your own hair so you're not relying on another person. You know what I'm saying? And it's fine. Like it's totally fine. But think about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Then if everything shuts down, like you're helpless, you're like, oh man, I can't even give myself a haircut. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's not super important. But like I said, that'll actually help you thrive in the tribulation because you know how it feels when your hair is wilding out, your beard is crazy and you're like, oh bro, this is brutal. And you get a fresh cut and you're like, all right, like morale boost, like t- like taking a nice shower. You know what I'm saying? Like you start tweaking and then sometimes like a shower, like it gives you like a spiritual, emotional morale boost. Same thing with a haircut, right? So learn how to do these little things. And to come back to the physical while things are normal, right? With haircuts, like for my guys and women take, keep this in mind as well, because I'm going to put you guys on if you want to do learn how to, if you do want to learn how to maybe cut your own hair. And so many people are starting to do it. One, it'll save you money. The the part of the, re, I was just being spiritually led to start cutting my own hair and it's been amazing. And, but even just like, there's been little signs where the most high was leading me. The, the cost of haircuts now is outrageous. In the last five years, it's literally probably doubled. It used to be like $25 to get like a haircut and a beard trim. Now it's literally like $45 or $50. 
$10 at most barbershops to get literally not even a good haircut or a beard trim. In my opinion, the barbers are not like they used to be like five years ago. And when I was in my vanity in college five to 10 years ago, like I really cared about always having a nice fresh haircut and a fresh fade and stuff. And now that I'm in righteousness, I don't even care about it. I'm like, I just have a simple buzz cut. And I was finding even though I didn't even care about it, I still couldn't even really get a great haircut. I'm like, the attention to detail is not there. These prices are outrageous. That's not even with it. That's before a tip paying 45 or $50 before the tip for a mid haircut where they're not even really paying attention to details. It's like, I can do a better job myself and save money along the way. And two, it's just like, just some other factors. Like it's, it's honestly like, you know, when, when you go to a barbershop, like you don't know who was sitting in the chair before you who like, yeah, they disinfect the clippers. And that's the other thing. They're spraying chemicals all over the clippers and stuff. You don't know who was sitting there. If the person was sick before you, like, it's honestly cleaner. If you do it yourself, you can give yourself exactly what you want. Pay more attention to details, uh, save money, save time. And honestly, then if you start cutting your hair yourself, you could give yourself a fresh cut once a week. Whereas before you might not, you might've only been able to afford every other week or something like that. And here's the thing too. If you start cutting your own hair, then you're saving a hundred bucks a month or whatever. You could take that money, give alms, reinvest it spiritually. You know what I'm saying? So just something to think about. And so for the bros that want to learn how to cut your own hair, and even for the women, like I said, you could end up helping your man cut his hair, or cut his hair for him. I remember in the pandemic, like girls were cutting their husband's hair or their their boyfriends or whatever. Like, so it's important for the women to know about this stuff, too, as well. Like, you know, you want to know what's up. So if you are going to cu- start cutting your own hair. And whatever uh, the the video that I recommend to watch is by Vic Blends on YouTube. A lot of people probably know him. He's like a, you know, a barber, Vic Blends. He has a video on how to cut your own hair at home. Self-cut tutorial. Watch that video. He'll, he'll put you onto some tips and I'll give you some right here. So what you need is a clipper and a trimmer. So the difference here is the clipper is like the larger one to do like the bulk on top to like shave your head, like all that stuff. And then the trimmer is for like, if you're like shaping up, like your lineup up top, your hairline or your beard, you don't want to use the big clippers like straight on your face. Like you want to use the big clippers with a guard, like for the hair and the top and the sides. And then for, you want to use a trimmer, like for, you know, for your beard and like the details. So you, you want to be careful. You don't want to cut yourself, like stuff like that. And two, if you're still going to barbershops, start taking note of like what they're using, what tools and stuff. And you can go from there. The clippers that I like are wall brand, W-A-H-L wall. And I get, now you don't have to get this, but if you get the wall professional ones, the wall professional is what they use in barbershops, wall professional any of those like clippers and trimmers, they'll, they'll be marked as professional. You can get all this stuff on Amazon or wherever. And then some of them are just like, so those are the professional lines that barbershops use. And then they also just have like regular clippers for, for home use, but those are not as good. So if, but trust me, it'll work just as fine. All you need is something to shave your head. Like, so you could get the home brands. They're cheaper. You could get like a kit of, you know, it'll have a clipper and a trimmer in there. But if you want to, get the higher end ones. And it's not even that much more money, but get the wall professional line is better. You can get a three-way mirror, which you hang on the door and that'll help you do like the back and the sides. The one I like is called self-cut system, a three-way mirror. 
And then you can just, and as far as disinfecting the clipper and the trimmer. So again, like in the barbershops, they're spraying all these chemicals and stuff. What I do is I just have like 70% isopropyl alcohol and I'll just spray it on the clipper blades, wipe it off. And then you want to oil the blades as well so they don't rust. But that's what I've been doing to clean it is just spray the alcohol on it, wipe it off, put the oil on it, wipe it off. And you're good to go. And you can see all of this online. There's so much information, easy to learn. Watch that Vic Blends video, um, his self-cut video or whatever. And then in addition to that, like just some things that you could get is like you could get a barber cape, you know, so the hair's not flying everywhere. Um, you could get the neck strips if you want. Like all this stuff is on Amazon, however much you want to get. And then you want to have like a brush or a comb, like a, a a brush, a barber brush. And then also like, it's called like a neck duster. Like you'll notice they use that in the barbershop to get like the hair off your neck, off your forehead, stuff like that. And like I said, ladies understand this stuff too, as well. You can help your man, right? So you want to know what a clipper is or what a trimmer is and why they're using it and stuff like that. But super simplistic, you can get that type of stuff. Um, and that will help you honestly. Um, so that's been something I've been doing and, um, you know, society has made us so dependent on the system, on the matrix, like even like something like a haircut. So if we could start doing it ourselves and that's the other thing too, is like, we want to be comfortable at home, right? Like if, if we're always trying to be out and about and always going here to brunch and to cafes and to restaurants and to dinner and blah, 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 like we should want to be home, right? have your family, your wife, your husband, your children be at home, be comfortable at home. Like that is dope is like, if, if you're a woman and you're like, you, you're, you're helping your man cut his hair at home. Like, does that not sound blessed? Does that not sound dope? I think it does. Like we should want to be comfortable at home. And even the same thing with the working out, like super simplistic is just start from the bottom and do push-ups at home. Go for runs when it's nice out. You know, if you want to get a treadmill, you want to get a sauna, like whatever your budget is, if you're top of the top and you want to get a sauna, a treadmill, or just scale down your super broke, get a, a kettlebell, a pull-up bar, super simplistic things. And this will help. And like I said, society has made us so reliant from barbershops to gyms. We're so reliant on the system, but getting back to these ancient ways of doing things ourselves, and it's dope. Like being at home, like imagine, like that. This is what I'm striving for: is like to just be at home, right? Y'all willing? I'll be with my wife if I have one. Just chilling at home, like yo, this is dope. Working out at home, cutting your hair at home, whatever you could think of, do it at home with your family. We don't gotta. We're and just watch the world burn. You know what I'm saying? Like we're at home chilling praising the most high, worshiping the most high, doing our own things on that ancient path, not on social media, not trying to be seen, not trying to be heard, not relying on technology, but just doing the simple things, praising the most high. And like we're saying, who cares what's going on around us? We're enduring, we're fearing the most high, we're praising the most high, worshiping him and doing stuff at home while the world burns. Say less, bro. If that doesn't sound like a dream or a blessing or blessed, then I don't know. But that's the vibe I've been on. That's what we're striving for. And just take baby steps to get there, beloved. You don't have to have the whole homestead and the farm and the animals and growing your own food and a home gym and all that stuff. You don't have to have all that tomorrow. But what you can start, well, tomorrow's not even guaranteed. What you can start doing today is taking a baby step to get there and say, I got a kettlebell. I got a pull-up bar. I got hair clippers. And start going from there and you'll be surprised and do the righteousness as well. And you will be surprised at where the most high does end up getting you.
right? These big changes don't just happen overnight where you just wake up tomorrow and you have a home gym. No, a lot of this stuff you're stacking up day by day, little wins and just going from there and building from there. Glory and praise the most high y'all willing. All right. And that's my little segment on the bros cutting their own hair at home, you know, but there's a bigger picture here. There's a spiritual aspect to it of what it really means to be a man, to be able to do things, to be able to provide things. And like also too, if you have a child, right? If you have a son, you can know how to cut his hair, right? This is this is what it means to be able to provide, to be able to have solutions. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to just, this matrix has made all of us just so reliant on the system. And we don't want to just be these helpless betas of like, oh, bro, like, no, bro. Like, we got to be like, all right, I can, I, can, I can give you a haircut. I can cut my own hair. I can cut my son's hair. Like, bro, I can do this, you know? Or, oh, we could catch a workout at my house or, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, we got to be men out here. And this is what it means. Like, it's not just these extreme things of got to be able to hunt and kill an animal or have a home gym or fix a car. It's like, nah, bro, like start doing these little things and you'll be surprised. And that's what it means to be a man is just to be able to do stuff, have different tools, different assets, things to provide. Right. And even just for your neighbor, like, oh, man, bro, I, I really need a haircut. I got you. You know, this is what it means to be a man. So that's my segment on it. And there's there's a deeper spiritual meaning to it. And I hope that you caught it. And like I said, it's not just about haircuts or the gym, but this can apply to everything. What can you start doing at home so that you're not relying out of on the system? And it's not out of fear, like, oh man, I'm scared. There's gonna be a pandemic, so I can't get my haircut. No, I'm I'm just rock because I like cutting my own hair. That's where I was led to do. And I'm like, this is dope. I'm like, this is fun. It's cool to learn. It, it's satisfying doing it at home. And I'm like, honestly, I could do a better job than the bros that were, that are in the barbershops, you know, no shade to them, but like, it's, it's not out of fear. It's like, no, this is dope. This is blessed. So, right. What can you start doing at home? How can you be more comfortable at home? Like I said, it's not good to be where your enjoyment out of life is coming from brunch and restaurants and all this stuff. Cause we saw in 2020, all that was shut down. It's like, you can't go to brunch anymore. You can't do this. So if that happens, and even if it doesn't happen, like we should be cool at home. We should want to be chilling with our family at home. Or even if you're solo start, bro, do some pushups, do some pull-ups, get on your grind, bro. Like these little things. And this will make you a man. And even for the women, we want to be, y'all want to be at home, right? And the men, we want to be at home with our wives. Ladies, you want to be with your husband. You want to be with your family. Be at home. Be cool at home. Do stuff together. Like I said, all this sounds like the dream to me is just have everything that you need at home and you don't have to leave for minimal things. Like there's not, there's nothing out there for us. It's all at home and our families and love and worshiping and praising the most high and I mean, bro, it just sounds so blessed. So I'm like, yo, I got to talk about this. So that's my little segment on it. And before we get back to the mainstream, let's get into, um, I got some random Old Testament uh, scriptures that I want to speak about before we get back to the mainstream, right? So quickly, um, in Psalms chapter 18, line 11, it says, he made darkness his secret place. His sukkah round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. So like I mentioned earlier, the true feast of 
dedication is the Feast of Tabernacles. And we covered all last year in TPR 250 and 251 about, it's about the spiritual understanding. It's not about a physical tabernacle, a physical sukkah, word for tabernacle. It's not about a physical tabernacle. It's about spiritually abiding under the shadow of the Most High. And I think we actually explained that in TPR 259 perfectly enough, which I referenced earlier. So you can hear that about the tabernacles. And just an additional point is we could see here in Psalms 1811 that the Most High, he made darkness his secret place. His sukkah round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies, right? So sukkah, we think, and, and in the Old Testament, it says, keep the Feast of Tabernacles and sleep in a, dwell in a sukkah for seven days. We think it's talking about a physical tabernacle, but like we explained in TPR 259 and 251 and 250, it's talking about spiritually abiding under the shadow and the covering of the Most High. Sukkah really means, comes from a root word you can hear in 259. Sukkah comes from the root word, which means to hedge, to cover. So sukkah really means a covering. And Feast of Tabernacles is not about sleeping in a physical tent, but it's about dwelling in the spiritual covering under the spiritual covering of the Most High. And another scripture that proves that is right here in Psalms 1811, because he made darkness his secret place. His sukkah round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. So his sukkah, his tabernacle were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies, right? So the Most High is his sukkah, which that people would say his tabernacle round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of sky. So he wasn't in a physical tent. The most high sukkah round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. So that's why for us in the Feast of Tabernacles, our sukkah is the most high. It's not a physical tent, physical tabernacle. Our sukkah is the spiritual covering of the Most High, just like his sukkah is not a physical tent, but you can see that sukkah just means his covering round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies, not his tent around him or his tabernacle, his sukkah, spiritual. So I think that's a perfect example if you know, you know. And we mentioned clothes earlier, something quickly that I want to debunk, which is insane that I even have to speak about this, but um, just super simple. I mean, this is pretty lighthearted, but Leviticus 19, line 19, ye shall guard my statutes. You shall not let your cattle gender with a diverse kind. You shall not sow your field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon you, right? So there's this wacky false doctrine, even in the truth, people that think they're in the truth say that you can't wear polyester because it's a mixed fabric and which makes absolutely no sense. And that is not true. Anybody that ever tried to tell you that the Torah says you can't wear polyester is completely wrong. Absolutely wrong. And the proof of that is what I just read. Leviticus 19, 19. You shall guard my statutes. You shall not let your cattle gender with the diverse kind. You shall not sow your field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon you. So we can't wear a garment of linen and woolen, but polyester is not linen and woolen. Polyester is a mixed fabric of all synthetic fibers, but there's not linen and woolen in polyester. So the Most High clearly says, neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon you. So what we actually can't wear, an example of this is like when you have a jacket, which would be linen, and then when the hood is like animal's hair or animal's fur, that's adding linen and woolen together. 
is when like a shirt or a hoodie or a jacket or a hood has like the animal hair on it. That is mixing linen and woolen together. But the polyester is not linen and woolen. That is just a mixed thing of um, mixed fibers of polyester of synthetic fibers. And yes, people say, oh, but the frequency of cotton and linen versus polyester, the, the frequency of polyester is super low and cotton is, is way higher. Yes, that is true. But as far as Torah, yes, it is. And it is true that polyester is not a good fabric because microplastics can shed and, and stuff like that. So is polyester a good fabric? No. Is it better to wear cotton? Yes, it is. But as far as breaking the Torah, you're not breaking the Torah by wearing polyester. Does polyester have a lower vibration? Yes. Does polyester shed microplastics? Yes. But as far as Torah, it's not a sin or a transgression to wear polyester because polyester is a bunch of synthetic fabrics and it's not a mixture of linen and woolen. And then the other precept for that is Deuteronomy 22.11, which proves it again. Deuteronomy 22:11 You shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. So the first precept is in Leviticus which we just read and then Deuteronomy comes after. So they already established the Leviticus priest uh precept where it says don't wear woolen linen together and then Deuteronomy 22:11 You shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. So people see this and say you can't wear a garment of diverse sorts. Polyester is diverse sorts. No, it says you can't wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. He says the, the uh, a garment of diverse sorts would be woolen and linen together. He gives the example. He says, you shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. That is the type of diverse sorts you can't wear. But polyester, I don't even think existed at this time. And polyester is not woolen and linen together. So it clearly specifies this is the type of diverse garment you can't wear. You can't wear woolen and linen together. So, and the proof of it is because in Leviticus 19.19, which comes before Deuteronomy, it straight up says, Ye shall guard my statutes. You shall not let your cattle gender with the diverse kind. You shall not sow your field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon you. It says nothing about diverse sorts, says nothing about polyester, a bunch of fabrics. It literally just says, neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon you. It says, don't wear wool and linen together. Like the example I gave of what that would be. And then in Deuteronomy, which comes after Leviticus. So it by the time we're reading Deuter Deuteronomy, the Most High knows that we just read Leviticus. So we know that it's talking about strictly woolen and linen. And then they just reiterate it again. You shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. When it says as of, it means aka or for example, don't wear woolen and linen together. So again, it's extremely obvious. Leviticus 19, 19, says don't wear wool and linen and then in Deuteronomy it says as of wool and linen together that's the type of diverse sorts garment we can't wear so all these pharisees telling you oh you can't wear polyester they don't know what they're talking about oh but polyester has a low frequency Psh, that's true but that's not torah right and like i said is polyester a not a great fabric no it's not a great fabric does polyester shed microplastics yes it can um, is it better to wear cotton? Yes, but it's not a sin to wear polyester, beloved. 
All right. So that was just something. I mean, I've known that for a long time and it just is very frustrating again with people in the echo chamber, the Pharisees, oh, people, doctrines of men thinking they know what they're talking about when the Torah pretty clearly says it's woolen and linen together is what you can't wear. Um, pretty simple. So just wanted to clarify that as well. Don't let these Pharisees fool you out here, honestly. All right. And so we are going to get back to Matthew 24 in the mainstream and things that I kind of touched on earlier. So as far as those verses in Matthew 24, um, like in uh, line 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Line 23, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Mashiach or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Mashiachs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, so much so that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So, and then 25, behold, I've told you before. So we're going to explain a little bit more about that and how it pertains to the mainstream and stuff. And like you guys have heard, I don't pay attention to leave the world behind and all these psyops because like I said earlier they know there's all these conspiracy theorists out there so they put out these movies knowing that we're all going to go crazy when we see it and say look they're showing us and and all this stuff so I don't even get into that and the scripture says to focus on things that are pure and lovely and stuff like that and that's where my focus has been and it's been amazing and Again, this has come a full circle from 2020. I don't know if I have any OGs that are here from 2020, um, but some of you might have gone back. And uh, like in TPR 34 and 35, those are two full movie breakdowns where when I was first waking up, I broke down the Matrix movie and the movies It and It Chapter 2. And... um, I moved away from doing that. I stopped doing movie breakdowns. I have a few other Hollywood movies. I have um, an episode called Holly Weird, which I think is TPR 39. And then I think TPR 109 is called Holly Weirder. And I have TPR 209, which is called Noah, speaking about the Nope movie. But very rarely do I ever speak about Hollywood movies um, anymore because I just saw that, yeah, they do put truth in these Hollywood movies. They put truth in plain sight, but it's also a lot of half truths. And like I said, now with like leave the world behind and stuff, it's just, it's a lot of it is half truths. A lot of it is fear. So it's not even worth it to have to discern through it. Plus it's all dark side. There's hidden transgenders in the Hollywood movies. They're putting spells and curses in the movies, bringing demons into the world, everything you've heard me talk about. So I don't watch Hollywood movies anymore. Haven't watched a Hollywood movie since 2020. I don't watch TV anymore. The TV is the black mirror, all the things that you've heard me talk about. And with that being said, recently, some so, but with all that being said, and all that is true, and you guys have seen all literally since 2020 to now, like some of you that are new here probably had no idea that I even used to break down Hollywood movies. You guys have seen the fruits and know for a fact that I don't speak about the mainstream really at all. Um, I just focus on scripture things. I don't even expose that type of darkness because there's always another ritual, another psyop. And it's just once we understand the dark side for what it is, once we know that Hollywood is Holly weird, once we know that it's dark side, we could just leave it alone and I don't have to keep exposing it over and over again. And that's what I've shown and proven in these years since. And you could see the growth on this podcast. But 
with that being said, and again, it's kind of coming full circle because I'm going to speak about things that I spoke about in 2020. But recently on YouTube, I started coming across some clips from a movie that I want to speak about and break down and expose because I think it is relevant here. And the difference is the movie that I'm about to speak about is a trilogy of movies which started in 2017 and 2019 are the main movies that I want to talk about. Whereas Leave the World Behind came out in, you know, 2023 or 24, whenever I think the end of 23. So the difference is in 2017 and 2019, that was before the Great Awakening, where in 2020, you know, now they know. So now what I'm saying is now in 2023 and 24, when they put out these movies, they know that there are all these conspiracy theorists and that the Instagram and social media landscape has changed. It's di- it's way different than it was in 2017 and 2019. Majority of us that are listening, that are majority of you that are listening and myself included, majority of us were not even awake at all were partially in 2017 or 2019. Majority of us were asleep at those points. And that can prove that literally majority of the people woke up in 2020 or later. So now when you see movies coming out after 2020 and social media has changed, they know there's all these conspiracy theorists. It's a lot different than because they are putting truth in plain sight that leave the world behind could have truth in plain sight. But like I said, a lot of it also, too, could just be fear porn because they know that we're going to point it out and be like, look at this. Like, so a lot of it could be true, but a lot of it could be um, fear porn as well. But the example that I'm about to give is. Um, from 2017 to 2019, which I do believe is truth in plain sight. And I'd rather expose it and speak about it just to make you aware of it, because I do feel it is completely applicable to these scriptures in Matthew 24 about the great signs, lying wonders, false prophets and stuff like that. And I just want to make you aware of it. And it came across my radar. Like I said, I don't even watch these movies. But now YouTube is the new TV. You can literally watch You can obviously like rent and purchase movies on YouTube, but literally I've essentially these movies I'm about to talk about. I literally on YouTube watched almost every scene of the movie. It's as if I did watch it, which is just as bad. I wish I didn't, but I didn't sit down and watch the whole movies. I was just watching clips here and there on YouTube and it just kept coming across my radar and I just happened to keep noticing these things. I'm like, you know what? I really kind of was pulling a Jonah on this episode for a few days, like literally and even longer than that. I was really discerning. I'm like, should I even bring it up? I'm like, I don't like speaking about Hollywood anymore. I don't want to do this. I'd rather just focus on scripture things. But I'm like, I'd rather say it than not say it. And I literally it's rare that I pull a Jonah and I'm trying to run from I'm like, I don't know. But I'm like, you know what? I feel like I should just say it and put it out there Um, and you know, you guys can do with it what you want, but that's just the backstory of how I came across it. Like I said, I haven't sit there. And I was really fighting my flesh. I was like, I might, I might actually, I was literally contemplating sitting down and actually watching some of these movies in this trilogy that I'm about to speak about or watching the whole trilogy. And I didn't, it's bad enough. I watched the YouTube videos, but I didn't sit down and watch the whole movies, but literally it's as if I did. And I picked up a lot of things. And the other thing too, is like, for anyone that is familiar with my Hollywood breakdowns is like, honestly, that's probably glory to the most high. I mean, I don't even know if it's glory to him, but I I glorify him for everything that I do, but he has given me a vision. Like I can break down. And if you've seen my matrix movie breakdown and the other movie breakdowns and the Hollywood points, 
there's things in there that like, that's probably one of the best things that I'm good at. If you guys think I'm good at speaking on the podcast or breaking down scriptures or understanding scriptures, something that I'm actually really good at is breaking down Hollywood movies. And that's how you can know that I'm not seeking my own desires. I fear the most high so much that even though I was good at breaking down movies in 2020, I left it behind because I said, this is just so dark side. There's half truths. I said, it's not worth it. It's not fruitful to even be breaking down these points. But if I really was chasing my own desires, I would still be watching Hollywood movies for myself and breaking down on the podcast. And it would fascinate you, the things that I can point out and stuff. And you're about to see it in a moment. But I don't do that anymore because I fear the most high and I trust him and I have to do his will. But And that's why I've gone from 2020 to now without even really hardly bringing up many points about Hollywood movies, rarely. And like I said, I stopped doing full movie breakdowns, um, but you're about to get kind of a, a mini breakdown right now. So, um, the movies I'm about to speak about is, um, these new Spider-Man, well, they're not really new, but the new ish, uh, Spider-Man trilogy, which is Spider-Man homecoming, Spider-Man far from home and Spider-Man no way home. Like I said, I haven't seen any of these movies. I've seen clips here and there on YouTube. It's as kind of as if I watched them, but I haven't seen them. Spider-Man homecoming came out in 2017. Even before I was in the truth, I didn't watch this movie. Then Spider-Man far from home came out in 2019 before I was in the truth. Didn't watch that. And then Spider-Man no way home came out in 2021 obviously a lot of people watched that that was like pretty you know apparently popular at the time people love these marvel movies right and that's where spider-man falls in so these are the movies with tom holland and zendaya and again these are dark side hollywood people as far as tom holland he definitely has done at least one humiliation ritual where there's like a video of him like dancing like in a dress and makeup in front of Zendaya and Zendaya is dressed like a dude. And again, I mentioned about hidden transgenders in Hollywood. If I had to guess, I do think that Zendaya is probably a hidden transgender, probably a man. And like we, this is something else I spoke about in 2020 and 2021. And I stopped bringing it up because I just focus on scripture things now. But if you want my honest opinion, if I had to guess, I would say Zendaya probably is a hidden transgender and maybe Tom Holland too. I have no idea. But regardless, these people are dark side. These people, Tom Holland has done rituals, humiliation ritual. The person that was on the show from Zendaya's show, Euphoria, someone died on that cast. So who knows what's going on with this dark side, Holly weird stuff. This is why I'm saying is it's not worth it to watch Hollywood movies because you see the story of Spider-Man. But behind the scenes, you have Tom Holland in a dress and makeup dancing like a female in front of Zendaya, who's dressed like a dude. Um, you have someone, you know, just all this dark side Hollywood stuff. This is exactly why I don't talk about it anymore. But I do think, like I said, I was discerning on this for a while and I feel like this is actually fruitful to speak about and it can be helpful. So. The main thing is from Spider-Man Far From Home, the second one in the trilogy is this is how I started noticing it is I saw a scene on YouTube where Tom Holland, Spider-Man or Peter Parker <laughs> is talking to Zendaya. They're in, it's far from home. They're in like Europe for majority of this movie. And what stuck out to me and they put, here's another thing too, is every single thing that is in these Hollywood movies. And if you want more of this, 
If you want more Hollywood breakdowns, I'm really going to be building on points that I covered from 2020. And if you missed it, you'll still probably understand what I'm talking about. But I'm really kind of referencing like things that we covered in those movie breakdowns. But literally every single word that is said in these Hollywood movies is purposeful and by design. They don't just randomly say things. They say things purposely. Every detail that is in these movies is purposeful, and I proved it in TPR 34 and 35. Literally, 35 is the Matrix full movie breakdown. It's an over five-hour-long podcast, and the episode 34 is It and It Chapter 2 full movie breakdowns, and that's like three hours or something. So super detailed going through these movies, showing literally why they're saying every line that they're saying. So I ended up seeing on YouTube this scene with Tom Holland and Zendaya. And first, to start off the scene, Tom Holland says, and this is going to go back to Matthew 24, Tom Holland's Peter Parker says something along the lines of, but I saw it on the news and the news never lies. And then about a moment or two later in this same exact scene with Zendaya, it's just them two talking. He says something along the lines of, it was on the news and the news never lies. And then right after they realize that they pull out like a projector. So the enemy of this movie, Far From Home, is this guy Mysterio, who's Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's using these projectors, which is like Project Bluebeam, right? So for the conspiracy theorists, you know about Project Bluebeam. And all throughout the movie, Mysterio, the evil person, is using illusion tech to make like fire and destruction and all these things happen through these little projectors. So right before they discover the projectors, Tom Holland says, but I saw it was on the news and the news never lies. So they say that purposely because they're showing in plain sight. And again, these movies came out before The Great Awakening. So I do believe, yes, who knows what they'll, if they'll do Project Bluebeam and stuff, but we've all heard about it and they're putting it in these movies. And this is an older movie before The Great Awakening. So I think this holds more weight than something that recently came out where they're literally catering to the conspiracy theorists. This was before that. This is 2019 now. So he says, I saw it was on the news and the news never lies. And then they come out and discover about these projectors, which represents Project Bluebeam. So my thinking was when I used to think about Project Bluebeam, I used to think that they would just it, they would be showing it through the news, right? They'd be showing it on TV. And I'm like, well, if I'm not paying attention to the news, like I'll have no idea what they're even showing. And this is, again, why I'm like, don't watch TV, don't watch movies. Because, again, when it comes to tribulation, if you're still relying on the mainstream to tell you things, then you're going to be led astray anyway because they're lying. It's half truths. Like you can't rely on the mainstream to understand what's actually going on. But as far as this movie, I feel like this is an accurate depiction. So... When I used to think about Project Bluebeam, I used to always think it was going to be like just through the screens, right? So I'm like, if you're not looking at the screens, you'll be fine because you're not watching the news. So you won't even know about this deception. But what this movie Far From Home showed me is that Jake Gyllenhaal all throughout the movie and and Tom and Zendaya in this scene where they say it was on the news and the news never lies and they uncover this projector. Then once they see it's a projector, they say, but we were, Tom says to her, he's like, but we were there, right? There was fire and destruction. So what you can see throughout the movie is that the Project Bluebeam, it's not just going to be through the screens. They have the power apparently to 
have things like where if you walk outside of your house, you'll actually see something in the sky, whether it's a fake alien invasion or having the white Jesus come back or whatever it may be, or we're going to get to it. It's not just going to be that they're showing it on the news. Like, yes, they will show it on the news and say, look, Jesus came back and it's just a Project Bluebeam fake white Jesus. Like, we're going to get to Matthew 24. Yes, they could do that. But what I learned from this movie, and when you look more into Project Bluebeam, you'll understand and realize that it can be there in real life too. That's why they're like, but there was fire, there was destruction. Like there was really fire. There was really destruction in, in these scenes because the projectors are that advanced. It's not just something in the sky where it actually also looks like there is real fire and destruction happening. So if you've seen Far From Home, and I don't recommend watching it, but if you've seen Far From Home, that's what the whole movie is about, is about these fake projectors and Jake Gyllenhaal Mysterio is deceiving everybody. And he says some interesting lines in the movie I saw in clips as well. He says, it's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves, right? Too attached to the TV, too attached to believing in white Jesus and all this stuff. It's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves. And then at the end of the movie, when Mysterio dies or quote unquote dies or possibly dies he says like people will believe anything that he his last lines are he says like and these days they'll believe anything because they're showing that so again oh and here's the most important thing before i explain further at the end of the movie so in the middle of the movie once they so they discover about the projectors tom and zendaya spider-man and whatever mj They say it was on the news and the news never lies. And the reason why they say that right before showing the projector is they're showing that they already use Project Bluebeam on the news or they will use it on the news. That's why they associate the news with the projectors, the news and Project Bluebeam together in the same scene. He says the news never lies. And then they talk about the projectors and say it's an illusion. It's not really there because that's what the news is going to do and will do. But then further in that same scene, they say, but there was fire, there was destruction, like we were there. So it wasn't just they saw it on the news and it wasn't there was nothing there in real life. What you can see is that they can actually make, whether it's directed energy weapons or whatever, they can actually make fire and destruction happen. So it looks like aliens are coming. It looks like there's fire and destruction. It looks like the Messiah is coming back. But like Messiah warned us, when they say, look, there he is, look, there he is, don't believe it, right? So we're going to get to that. And the way that Tom, the way that Spider-Man defeats it at the end is throughout the movie, right? They discover in the scene that I just mentioned. And then throughout the movie, Spider-Man gets tricked by Mysterio a bunch of times, like by showing him the projectors and the, the images. And he gets tricked like a bunch of times and he doesn't know how to defeat them. And then at the end of the movie, Mysterio is up on a bridge and Spider-Man and Mysterio is guarded by all these drones and Spider-Man goes up there and this is how he defeats them. And this is how we will be able to see through this deception. And we're going to get through the scriptures is throughout this movie, they're calling Peter's uh, spider sense. They're calling his spider sense the Peter Tingle, which is like a joke throughout the movie. Apparently they call it his Peter Tingle, but he's talking about his spider sense. So again, they're putting the truth in the movie. All throughout the movie, Spider-Man is being deceived by these fake images and he's relying on his eyesight and he can't discern what is real and what's not real. And then at the end of the movie, the way that he defeats the drones and defeats Mysterio is he goes up onto the bridge and he closes his eyes and he says, 
Come on, Peter Tingle, which he's talking about his spider sense. He closes his eyes and then he runs through the bridge, destroying all the drones with his eyes shut and defeats Mysterio. What does this represent? This represents that he's his spider sense, quote unquote, is essentially talking about like the spirit, the Holy Spirit. He stops looking with his eyes because if you look with your physical eyes, you will be deceived, but you have to trust in, they say, oh, it's his Peter Tingle, his spider sense. That represents trusting in the Holy Spirit to guide you and show you who is the true Messiah and who is not. That's what they show by that movie. How does he defeat it? He shuts his eyes and trust in his spider sense which is really his spirit and he runs through all the drones and defeats it very easily so again in matthew 24 line 23 then if any man shall say unto you lo here is mashiach or there believe it not for there shall arise false mashiachs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders so much so that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the son of Adam be. Right? So, again, if people are relying on their eyes, and like I said, it's not just about not watching TV because they apparently, and again, it could just all be fear porn and they might not ever do it, but apparently they have the technology to, like I said, do it where in your real life you step outside and it literally looks like there's actually fire. That's why they say in the movie, like, we were there, there was fire, there was destruction. They can apparently make it where there's actual fire, actual destruction. And if they say, look, there's Jesus, just like the scripture says, look, there he is. He's in the desert. Look, there he is. Because more than likely the deception, because it says many false Mashiachs are going to are going to rise up. So not just one time they're going to do it. So my theory is more than likely first, they'll probably say, and they might fake an alien invasion to rise up the Antichrist. I mean, these are all conspiracy theories that we've heard about. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because that movie Far From Home, Spider-Man, completely depicts it and is showing it. So they could do a fake alien invasion and rise up the Antichrist or whatever, but they might also literally might say, here's Jesus and put a white Jesus in the, in the sky. And in the movie as well, like these monsters are like huge, right? So again, like if you see this like 30 or 50 foot demon, like they say, oh, demons are flying around. And then they have a 50 foot white Jesus like flying around. Like this is the type of stuff they might be doing with Project Bluebeam. And so I think that they might. So I'm saying it's when I when I saw those clips from the movie, I'm like, this is this is more elaborate than I thought it was. Like, I'm like, oh, Project Bluebeam will be so easy to see through. But I'm like, if these are like huge demons, like fire and all this stuff, like it might be a little intense. And that's why it says, believe it not in line 23 of Matthew 24. So they might say, I think it's possible that at a, eventually they'll probably have a white Jesus and they'll say, look, Jesus came back and that'll fool all the Christians and, you know, the Kanye West and the Justin Biebers and all the people who are saying Jesus and God and Lord, like it'll be probably, people will probably say, look, a white Jesus came back and the Christians will be running around like crazy. Oh, Jesus is here. Cause again, this project blue beam will probably look really real. Like, you know what I'm saying? More than people realize they showed it to us in the movies. They told us like, so the Christians will easily follow. Be like, look, it's Jesus. But 
even for us in this awakening, you know, the people who, and we've talked about the true Israelites are dark skin and complexion, Messiah, you know, in Revelation 1 and 14, it describes him, his feet were as if they were burned, burned brass, you know, his hair like wool, like Messiah is dark skin and complexion. The true Israelites are dark skin and complexion. We know that. But again, the people who focus too much on the flesh after they rise up the fake Jesus, the white Jesus, then they might come with a black Jesus or even a black Yeshua or whatever they're calling him. They, Because they know about the awakening. They know that we know who the Israelites are. They know that we know that Jesus is not black. We know that Yahusha is, we know that Yahusha is black. They know that we know. So I'm saying first, they'll probably just say, oh, look, it's Jesus. And it, whether he's white or black or whatever. And then they'll probably get into fooling even the people in this awakening. They know that we know Yahusha is black. So then if they have a fake black one, people who are only looking at the flesh are going to be, oh, look, it's a black Messiah. It's him. No, no, there's going to be many false Mashiachs. And the way to see it in the Spider-Man is he shut his eyes and relied on his spider sense, the spirit to tell him. So if we look on our eyes and say, look, there's a there's a black Messiah, we're going to be deceived. He said, believe it not. We have to trust in the spirit to be able to see it and know it. So that is the lesson from far from home. They tell you the deception and they tell you how to do it. He shut his eyes and ran through all the drones and did it perfectly because he wasn't. And all throughout the movie, when he was looking at the deceptions, he was fooled and tricked. He was looking with his eyes and was deceived. And when he finally shut his eyes and relied on the spider sense, that's how he did it, which is relying on spiritual. So the answer is right there. And like we said, Matthew 24. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Mashiach or there, believe it not. Right. So again, and how I've always explained it since 2020 is you are going to know who Mashiach is. You are not going to need a person to tell you. That's why the scripture says, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Mashiach or there, believe it not. If someone on the news or anywhere saying, look, there he is, that's how you know it's not him. You are going to know the real Yahushua HaMashiach. But what I'm warning you about is I think some of these deceptions are going to be extremely advanced. And if people are not aware of how advanced they are, like if you saw fire coming down, you'll be like, it's the end. It's it's finally happening. But this is the deception is that's going to happen first. Just like Messiah told us in Matthew 24, that deception will happen first. And I do believe this is how they're going to do it because we all know about Project Bluebeam. They're putting it in this movie. They're telling us if you've ever seen Far From Home and yes, oh, well, Rye, what if it's just fear porn? What if it's a half truth? It could be a half truth. But like I said, this movie was before the awakening and they're spelling out and showing and they're even saying people will believe anything. It's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves. I believe they're showing us. And again, I'd rather warn you and be wrong rather than not saying it because after seeing these clips from this movie, I'm like, wow, some of this deception is going to be way more intense than I actually thought. I thought it was just going to be all in the news. They have a fake Jesus flying around. Like, oh, that's nothing. But seeing some of the stuff in the movie, I'm like, yo, they probably will be doing some crazy stuff where you're actually seeing fire coming out of the sky. You're actually seeing stuff burning up. You're actually seeing demons flying around or aliens flying around or fake Jesus flying around. And that's why it's important to emphasize the scriptures saying, believe it not. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Mashiach or there, believe it not. You will not need anybody to tell you. You will know the real Yahushua HaMashiach and you have to know these fake ones first. 
that that are going to be coming up and know that it's deception for there shall arise false mashiachs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders so much so that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect and it says going to show great signs and wonders right so it's not just going to be some some regular dude just walking up he's like hey i'm the messiah like and shall show great signs and wonders, Project Lubian type stuff, so much so that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Adam be. And like we covered before, Line 11 in that same chapter, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Many are going to rise up. So it's not just going to be once or twice. Like I said, they'll probably run it first with the white Jesus. Then they'll say there's a black one because they know that we know he's actually black. Because they know that, that's what I'm saying is it's checkers versus chess. And this is why I was saying it's better if we get off social media because they know exactly what we know. They know what will fool us. This is what I was saying in TPR 250. Two spiritual warfare part two last year, 252. I was saying they want us on these apps. They know what we know. We're telling them, we're showing them this is what we know. We know the Messiah is black. We know the Israelites are black. We know X, Y, and Z. We're telling them what we know. And that's why they mock us in the movie and say it's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves. Nowadays, people believe anything because we're fooling ourselves, saying we're on social media. We're playing checkers, exposing darkness. No, it's really chess. We're fooling ourselves because we're on social media telling them exactly what we know. They know we know about Project Bluebeam. They know we know about leave the world behind they know about they know that we know all this stuff and we're telling them what we know so then they can cater and cook up something like a project Bluebeam that's actually going to fool people and i literally said that in i said that essentially verbatim in tpr 252 last year and without going into details because i knew we got to be getting away from social media guys they know they want us on there they want us exposing darkness we're showing them what we know i knew it then you know, so and then also some other predictive programming. I mean, these movies are littered with predictive programming because, like I said, everything that they say in the movies is purposeful. Every single line, everything that they say, and I'll even prove that further. But another important thing. So in the third movie of this trilogy, in No Way Home, I saw a scene with Tobey Maguire because he's in this one. Toby Maguire at the end of the movie, he gets like stabbed, I think, by the Green Goblin, the end of No Way Home. And Toby Maguire is looking up into the sky and he says, am I dying or or is this really happening? And they're like, it's really happening. And he says, there's people in the sky or he says something very along that along those lines. He says, there's people in the sky. And that reminds me of First Thessalonians 4 and 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yah in the air. So shall we ever be with Yahuwah to meet him in the air, caught up in the clouds. And in that movie, he says, there's people in the clouds. And because they're like, there's people coming in from the multiverse. Like they're showing you, they're telling you right there. And so First Thessalonians 4, starting at line, um, starting at line 15. 
For this we say unto you by the word of Yahuwah, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of Yahuwah shall not prevent them which are asleep. For Yah himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the shofar of Elohim, and the dead in Mashiach shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet Yah in the air, and so shall we ever be with Yahuwah. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And again, this is one of the verses that people talk about for the rapture, the pre-tribulation rapture, being caught up in the clouds together. But I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious that, I mean, we saw earlier in either Luke 21 or Matthew 24, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Let's double check that. I think it was in Matthew 24. Let's double check. Yeah, Matthew 24, 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved, right? Endure to the end, you'll be saved, right? So that's not a pre-tribulation rapture. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4, they say, oh, caught up in the clouds is the rapture. But it says, line 15 of 1 Thessalonians 4, For this we say unto you by the word of Yahuwah, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of Yahuwah shall not prevent them which are asleep. Alive and remain unto the coming of Yahuwah, right? And the coming of Yahuwah, Yahusha is coming after the tribulation, right? So if you're alive and remaining unto the coming of Yahuwah, that means you endured the tribulation, not pre-trib. For Yah himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the shofar of Elohim. What's the shofar? The seven trumpets of Revelation. And the dead in Mashiach shall rise first. So again, he will descend with the shofar, after the seven trumpets, seven shofars in Revelation, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yah in the air, and so shall we ever be with Yahuwah. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Again, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yah in the air, so shall we ever be with Yahuwah. So you're alive and remaining because you endured to the end, just like Messiah said. So, I mean, it's crazy that people use this line of caught up in the clouds as, as a pre-trib, pre-tribulation rapture, but it's like, it keeps saying you're alive and remaining to the end. So, you know what I'm saying? Pretty obvious to me, but, um, and the other thing as well, one more precept, and then we'll get back to some of these movie points. First, Corinthians chapter 15, line 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the shofar shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So again, at the last trump. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, which means die. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the shofar shall sound, the shofar that we just covered from Thessalonians, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to press, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Sheol, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the Torah. But thanks be to Elohim, which gives us the victory through our Adonai Yahusha Hamashiach. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of Yahuwah, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in Yahuwah. So that that proves it even further about the last trumpet being changed, caught up in the clouds, spiritual switched to a spiritual body. But yeah, they were predictive programming that in No Way Home with Toby saying, there's people in the clouds, you know. Um, like I said, every word that they say is purposeful. Some other darkness to expose in the No Way Home movie as well is they have Doctor Strange like casting spells. And in when he's doing it, he's, again, just casting spells. I mean, that alone is witchcraft, you know, sorcery, right? He's a sorcerer. He's a wizard, like obviously dark side. But in the movie, when he's doing it, he's putting up like the 3666 hand sign when he's casting spells. Again, they're putting... They're putting spells in these movies like that's outward. They're doing it. But all these movies in these scenes, they're literally have witches and demons casting spells in the background of these movies. Like like before they put it out to the masses, they have a demon or a witch probably sitting there throwing spells and evil and witchcraft on these movies. So then when you're sitting there, you have no idea or like think about this. What if before the final cut of the movie? They're, they, they, before they set out the, before they send out the final cut of the movie, how disturbing would it be if they literally have a witch or a warlock or a demon or a wizard or a witch in this room with the movie playing and they're like sacrificing animals or sacrificing children or drawing pentagrams on the ground or throwing all these curses and spells at these movies. And then you're sitting there watching them like, like you don't realize the inherent evil behind these movies. And this is why I don't watch Hollywood movies anymore. This is why I had to fight my flesh to not even watch this movie, these movies. And it's bad enough that I watched so many clips that I did on on YouTube, it was bad enough that I even did that. And this is why I've said since 2020, I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies because it's inherently dark side. There's hidden transgenders. They're putting curses in the movies, spells, witchcraft, darkness, rituals, like all this sick. And it's like, why would we even want to watch this? So that's why I was running. I was pulling a Jonah on this part of the episode. I'm like, should I really bring this up? I'm like, is this really important? Is this really fruitful? I'm like, I've gone so far, but I trust the most high and I feel like maybe this was helpful for somebody, maybe not. And maybe I'll end up cutting this from the episode. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was like, should I speak about this? But I feel it is coming full circle from 2020 to now, four years later, speaking about, you know, and that's how Two another thing is like, I'm getting close to passing off the baton. I think on this leg of the race, this awakening, and we covered it at the end of last year, those that get it, get it. Those that know, know. That's why I've just been posting scripture episodes because this leg of the awakening of being online and exposing all this stuff and Project Bluebeam and all this stuff, like it's it's been done already. Like honestly, you guys probably didn't even need me to explain this. But when I saw those scenes, I'm like, ah, it's more intense than I thought. So I'll bring it up. But this leg of the awakening is done and I'm getting ready to pass off the baton. It's like, it's like we're at a track meet running like a four lap it's four teammates running four laps around the track and me and the Larry Johnsons of the world and the 
um, truth unedited. I do believe that th- we were running a certain leg of the race. And I do believe that it's coming to an end and it's time to pass off the baton. There's not much more to say. It's if you know, you know. And this whole online awakening and things that people are, what we're all still doing, exposing darkness and whatever, like it's coming to an end. And looking forward to the new era is important. So I'd rather just put these points out there and just say it. And this is how I know it's coming to the end is like a track. I'm coming full circle. What I started talking about in 2020 when I first woke up, I'm now coming back to it in 2024. And that's why I trust the most high and fear him and not lean on my own understanding. My own understanding was saying, I haven't talked about Hollywood movies since 2020. Why should I do it now? Oh, I don't watch them for myself. Why should I even be talking about it? Why should I even bring this up again? And I was fighting, fighting, fighting. And literally every day that passed that I wasn't recording the episode, I was just getting essentially more signs and more conversations with other people of like, I should say this stuff and I should just say it all and put it out there. But this is why this is a super long episode because I haven't talked for a while. I'd rather just put it out there. And I'm just happy that I put out those scripture episodes. So when I do finally pass off the baton, if that day comes, these the scripture episodes are out there. Like I said, if you want to just put it on in the background, but they're, they're there for people to just listen to the scriptures. I'm just that's why I've been running it up, posting almost every single day, the scripture episodes, because I'm like, I want to just put it out there, rack up a bunch of these books, stack them up. They're on the podcast. If anyone wants to find them later, if I'm not here, people can just listen to the scriptures because that's what it's about. But, you know, I was like I said, I was I was pulling a Jonah on this part of the episode. I'm like, should I really speak about this? But like I said, it came down to the final thing for me. The final confirmation was lean not in your own understanding and trust the most high in all your ways. I said his ways are higher than mine. I said, you know, I I, I was like this. I I was like, I came across these videos for a reason I I can expose it and understand the symbolism. I'm like, I should say it. And I don't know what the result is going to be. I don't know if fruits will come from it. But I'm like, it's not for me to say, no, it won't be fruitful. No, I shouldn't speak about it. No, it's Holly Weird. Yes, it is Holly Weird. Yes, I'm just reemphasizing it. But like I said, maybe it was just for me to come full circle like a track. And as far as running the track too, it's important for brothers like me and Larry and anyone else who's been a part of this awakening. It's important for us to understand if and when it's time to pass off the baton because how we can't be selfish. If the most high only appointed us to one to run one lap around the track and it's a four lap race how selfish would it be if we say we already i might have already ran my lap and i'm coming back around the finish line how selfish would it be if i say no i gotta keep running i gotta keep going i want to do two laps and three and four when i'm gassed already and there's a teammate who's fresh who hasn't ran yet and i could pass the baton off to them and they can sprint around the track faster than me gassed doing it so for anyone that does have a platform out there, it's very important for us to understand what is the is it still working? What's what worked in 2020 is not still working in 2024. And oddly enough, what did work in 2020, maybe it is still working in 2024. But we're coming full circle now, and yeah, that's just where we are. And those scriptures in Luke 21 and Matthew 24 spoke about when you see the tr- the fig tree and you know that summer is nigh. Beloved, y'all willing, it's spring and summer at this point. By the time you're hearing this, it's about to be the new year, spring and summer. And let's just live. I'm excited, y'all willing for this spring and summer to live righteously. Let's enjoy the spring and the summer. Man, this winter flew by, which is a blessing because we know the scripture is the most high speeding up time. We covered it in TPR 270, Famine of the Word. TPR uh, 221 is my episode on it. Why time is going by faster. But um, 
Yeah. Glory to the Most High. It's been easier to endure through these winters fl- flying by, and it's spring and summer. I'm I'm hype. So, by the time you're hearing this episode, the feast days are right around the corner. The New Year's coming up. Like I said, this is a perfect time to get on the calendar and enjoy the spring and then the summer. But yeah, spring and summer are coming up. Dedicate yourself to the Most High at the start of the year. Check out my episodes from last year, TBR 250, 251, about rededicating yourself to the Most High. But that's what this time is here for. So I'm happy that all the scriptures that I put out so far, like I said, I'm just happy those episodes are out there. You can listen to it in the background if you want to fall asleep to some some Psalms or whatever. Another thing too is um, if sometimes occasionally when I'm reading the scriptures, occasionally I really try not to, but sometimes I'll like, sometimes I may misspeak or like mispronounce, mispronounce the words too. But as a side point, sometimes I'll misspeak and say the wrong word. Like, and I try to go back and check and, and double check and listen and really careful and when I'm editing the episodes. But if you ever hear me reading in the scripture episodes and I read something and it sound, if it sticks out to you, just double check the scripture for your verse. Uh, d- double check the verse for yourself to make sure that you have it correctly. Because if I misspoke, if it's like an egregious error, like I'll definitely try and go back and fix it. But And I try to catch it. And if it's not a big deal, like whatever. But there, there shouldn't be any egregious errors, but if you ever hear something and it sounds like I might have misspoke, just double check the scripture for yourself to make sure that you have it correctly. You have to have it for yourself. And most of the episodes are fine. I do my due diligence. I edit them. I check. I listen. I che- double check the scriptures for myself. But if something slips past me and you happen to hear something and you're like, I think Ryan might have misspoke, like double check. So make sure that you have the verse correct for yourself. But glory and praise of the most high so far, there has not been any any problems or anything too too bad or bad errors you know maybe i'll miss a word here or double say a word or misspeak a word but nothing major if it's major y'all willing i'll catch it and fix it and edit it and change it but yeah i'm just happy that those episodes are out for people to listen to scripture you could fall asleep to some psalms or some scripture and just like i said it's predictive programming right with the dark side they're predictive programming us with curses and and demons and dark side and wickedness and all this fear porn but we want to predictive program our minds spiritually with righteousness with the scriptures right so if you just that's why i'm doing these scripture episodes is it's good for me like when i put out the episode i listen to it and it's just good for me to hear the scriptures it's getting me reading more scriptures cuz i have to read it and record it listen to it while i edit it listen to it after the episodes out it's good to just to hear the scriptures let it sink into your mind it's written on your heart and on your mind spiritually right so let it sink in that's what these episodes are for and that's why if and when i'm not here when tpr if i hand off the baton or whatever there's hopefully going to be just a large enough catalog of scripture episodes people can just go and listen to the scripture episodes that's the point and um yeah so far that's been majority of season six most high willing it will continue in season six, reading scriptures as well. All praise to Yahuwah, the Father, through Yahusha HaMashiach, the righteous, the only Adonai, hallelujah, all praises. All right. And so also, I think I'm going to expose a few more points from this Spider-Man trilogy, just some observations that I made. And again, I was really debating, you know, if how much I should say, what I should say, if I should. And I explained how I arrived at this conclusion. And I feel there's important. I'm going to see if there's anything else that came up to me that I should speak about. So another thing that I spoke about in 2020, and again, I don't even speak about it anymore. The, the theme is, and that's the thing is like, guys, 
A lot of you came here at the very end of 22 and at the beginning of 23. And some of you may be new here in 2024. But clearly, this journey of the podcast and walking with the Most High started in 2020. That means there was 2020, 2021, and majority of 22 before y'all even got here. So you're only seeing the tail end of my lap around the track, you know? So there was things that I spoke about in the beginning of TPR that I don't, that you guys haven't even heard me speak about, whether it's Hollywood movies, whether it's hidden transgenders, um, you know, other, other stuff like that. There's things that I used to speak about that I don't anymore because that just shows the growth. The fruits are there. You could see the fruits of me growing on this podcast and like focusing on that scripture. I, I referenced it a bunch of times. Let's, let's show the scripture, focusing on things that are pure. Um, Let's get this. It is um, Philippians chapter four, starting at line eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the Elohai Shalom shall be with you. Wow. Praise Yahuwah through Yahusha. Praise Elohai Shalom, the God of peace. Wow. <laughs> These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the Elohai Shalom shall be with you. You guys, the fruits are there. Y'all have seen. So the, the proof is if y'all have never heard me talk much about Hollywood movies or hidden transgenders or barely talked about it, that is the proof right there. Because I'm telling you in 2020 and 2021, I used to talk about those things. And the proof that you have seen in me is in 23 and in 24, barely ever talking about that stuff because You've seen me focusing on things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are about the scriptures and pure. We could waste so much time talking about Hollywood movies and dark side stuff, but the proof is y'all have seen me put that stuff to the side and focus on things that are pure. Um, and like I said, <laughs> glory and praise of the Most High. That scripture, the, the timing of that is crazy. I mean, praise y'all. But you've seen that in me and focusing on things that are pure. But there are things that I used to speak about in 2020 and 2021 that you could see the growth of me not speaking about it much anymore. And um, the other thing, too, by the way, speaking of these Spider-Man uh, trilogy movies that I was just talking about, Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home, these are twin flame movies. And another thing I used to speak about is the twin flames, which I don't speak about anymore as well. But here I am again, coming full circle on this lap. Uh, from 2020 to now come a full circle. But the Twin Flames is one of the most um, common misconception. The The phrase Twin Flame is new age, just like the law of attraction. And I, I covered this, you know, from 2020 to now. Anything that the dark side does or Satan does, he can't create anything. All he could do is manipulate what the Most High has made pure. So he just gives it a fancy name of whether it be Mandela Effect, TPR 270, to hear that whether it be Mandela effect, whether it be law of attraction, or whether it be twin flames, those phrases are just new age terms that the dark side puts on things that are actually can be coming from the most high and or are coming from the most high. So 
there's really not much good there's really not much good information on twin flames at all but that is something i used to speak about as well and especially with the hollywood movies like 34 it and it chapter two full movie breakdowns is about twin flames tpr 35 the matrix full movie breakdown is about twin flames i spoke about it heavily and all so many of these hollywood movies are showing the twin flames and absolutely the spider-man trilogy is about twin flames for sure for sure um there's some constant themes like again we covered this in 2020 majority of you haven't even been here but there's so many themes with the quote-unquote twin flames which again the twin flames are from the most high and if anything satan just uses it to manipulate and mess with the saints and mess with the set apart ones but it is from the most high cuz satan doesn't have power to do anything with twin flames all he can do is manipulate corrupt and make you think it's his and claim it as his and give it a fancy name of twin flames that's about all he can do but the most high is the creator that makes it but one of the themes is about coming home I said that in 2020, the proof is there. And I'm not encouraging you to go look into Twin Flames. I'm not encouraging you to go back and listen to these episodes. I'm just saying it because I don't know what the purpose is. But all I know is that I was trying to pull a Jonah and not talk about this. And there could be some reason. Here's the other thing, too, is with these Hollywood movies, they're literally putting curses and spiritual energy. So to fight the spiritual war, sometimes, even if you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I just put it out there and spiritually talk about it, this could have spiritual effects of they're putting curses on people all day long in these movies and they're showing about the twin flames which i'm about to show and i already proved in 2020 in those previous episodes movie episodes but who knows the spiritual things that they're doing through these movies and who knows what doing this episode might spiritually do to combat that so i don't if you don't know what i'm talking about physically you actually don't even have to know because this could just have spiritual ramifications or repercussions by speaking about it but One of the themes is coming home, and I said that in 2020. That's why the whole trilogy is called Spider-Man Homecoming, Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. Home is something with the Twin Flames. Number 11 is with the Twin Flames as well. I'll get to that. And in the first scene, in one of the, not the first scene, in the very beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming, again, I haven't seen this movie, just seen the different clips. Again, in Far From Home, in the second one we just spoke about with the drones, right? Spider-Man had to defeat the drones that were guarding Mysterio. And at the very beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming, Peter is walking down the hallway at school and there's a drone to the side of him. So they're pr- so this is what I'm saying is Spider-Man Homecoming came out in 2017. Far From Home came out in 2019. No Way Home came out in 2021. Definitively, they knew what they were doing with the whole trilogy when the first movie came out. Whether they report and say, we didn't even know if there was going to be another trilogy or a sequel to it. They're lying if they say that. They know what they're doing because in the beginning of the first movie, they show the drones as Peter is walking down the hallway. And then in Far From Home, he has to defeat the drones. It's literally they're showing what's happening. Another proof of that as well, and I'll get back to the Twin Flames, but another proof of that, I'm just giving you all my observations from the Spider-Man movies. If you've seen it, cool, it can just expose to you, whatever. I'm just showing you my observations. In No Way Home, in the third one, Peter Parker's friend is called Ned Leeds, and apparently in the comics, uh, Ned Leeds apparently became the Hobgoblin. He becomes like a villain or something like that. And in the third movie, in No Way Home, this was very obvious and obvious foreshadowing. If they ever make his friend Ned turn evil, 
they they have Ned say in the third movie, they're, he's like, Peter, I'll never turn evil against you and try and kill you with magic or something like that. Something along those lines. And they make it so obvious in that movie. Like, they're like, oh, see, like, it's foreshadowing if he ever becomes evil. The more important foreshadowing happened in the first movie. What I just explained is in the third movie of the trilogy. In the first movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, Peter is at the very beginning of the movie. He's walking down the hallway and he sees the drones, like I just explained, foreshadowing for the second movie. And then he goes to his locker. The number on his locker is number 11, which I'll get to. Again, showing you it's a twin flame movie. Other other points. And he's it. Peter Parker's in his locker. And his friend Ned Leeds comes up behind him. And the first words that Ned Leeds says in the whole trilogy, the whole, the first movie, the whole trilogy, the first words he says is he comes up behind Peter holding a Lego. And in like an evil joking voice, he says, join me and together we'll finish my Lego set or something like that. But he says, join me in an evil voice. Why is that Ned Leeds first words in that trilogy? It's because if and when in later movies in Spider-Man four or five or six, or whatever in the next trilogy if they make Ned Leeds turn evil like they foreshadowed in the third movie oh I'll never turn evil and try and kill you if they actually do make him turn evil they were showing it in the very first scene of Ned Leeds in the first movie of the trilogy he comes up behind him in an evil voice and says join me showing and foreshadowing if he ever does become evil that's why that's the first line of the movie of Ned Leeds that's why that's his first line in the whole trilogy that's why I'm saying is every single thing that they say in these movies is purposeful they're not just just messing around. They don't just say things for no reason. That's why he says it in an evil voice. They could have had his verse, his first line be anything, but they make him say, join me in an evil voice because they're showing you foreshadowing of if he does turn evil. And that's in the first movie of the trilogy from 2017. And he may not turn evil if it ever does happen in Hollyweird. Who cares? But if that ever does happen, it's literally years in advance. They know what's going to happen. And they knew from Spider-Man Homecoming that this movie is a twin flame movie. And so Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and Zendaya are the twin flames in the movie. Her name is Mary uh, Michelle Jones Watson, MJ, right? And here's the proof of it. In the first movie, I'm going to just show you some, some proofs. Uh, and and things and observations about the twin flames in this movie. It's so obvious. But in the first movie in Spider-Man Homecoming, right after that scene in the school in the with he sees the drones in the hallway and then he talks to Ned, his evil friend. Then they show Peter Parker in class and they show the clock at 1138. Three plus eight equals 11. So 1138 is really like 1111. And again, the, when they show a clock in a movie, the timing is purposeful. They don't just show it the time on the clock at a random time. They show it at 1138 purposely because 11 is twin flames. That's why his locker number, they show number 11 on his locker. He Then, they, then right after that scene, they show him in class. They show the clock 1138, which is like 1111. And then they show him and then they show the clock again. And then it says 1235, one plus two plus three plus five equals 11. So they show 1138, which three plus eight equals 11. So it's 1111. Then they show 1235, one plus two plus three plus five equals 11. They keep showing 11s on the clock, 11 on his locker because 11 is about to win flames. They, then they show him in class. 
and he's making like his web, he's making his spider webs, his web fluid in the science clap, in the science class, like in a lab. And they show the clock 1138, then they show Peter, then they show the clock 1235, then they show Peter. And when they show Peter making his web fluid, there's a little flame behind him, behind his back when they show him in these first scenes of him in the classroom with the clock saying 11, 11, 11, 11 all over the place. They show the flame behind him because it's twin flames, as they call it. They show the flame behind his back. Then they show the clock, 1138. Then they show him in the classroom again. And then you could see his twin flame, MJ, is sitting like right in front of him. And there's a flame behind her back. Then they show the clock, 1235. So they show the two twin flames right there with the 11s all over the place. And they put flames behind their back. Even further proof. Then in the second movie, Far From Home, when they have their first kiss, MJ and Peter, they meet on the bridge after he destroyed Mysterio on the bridge and defeated him. Then they both come walking next to each other in a line, which is the same imagery like we covered in the movie It and in chapter two, when they're walking on the sidewalk directly in a straight line to each other, MJ and Peter are walking in a straight line to each other and they show Peter and behind him are burning cars, flames. Then they show MJ walking behind her, burning cars, flames. Then they go and have their first kiss together and they show the flames behind them. And when they have that conversation, he gives her a necklace and it's like a broken black dahlia necklace or something. And she, and he says, Oh, I'm sorry. It's broken. And she says something along the lines of, I actually like it better broken. And her hair is covering her one eye in that scene, one eye symbolism, Illuminati. But she says, Oh, um, I I like it better broken and one eye, but they have their first kiss in that moment. And there's burning cars behind them, just like in the classroom, there's flames behind them showing the twin flames. Further proof, also in Far From Home, when Peter gets that necklace made earlier in the movie, he walks into like the this glasssmith, the person that makes the necklace. And when he walks in there, there's a flame burning in that room. And then the guy who makes the necklace holds it up and it covers his one eye with the necklace. Again, one eye symbolism and the flame flickering in the background. And then also Peter holds it up and it covers his one eye. So the flames, the one eye, they're showing you there's symbolism behind this stuff purposely. And then further proof, then you go to the third movie. Oh, and there's trains all over. And we covered in it and it chapter two and in the matrix, the, the, the train is another symbol. So you have the 11s, you have the twin flames, and the trains are an important symbol for twin flames, apparently. These are just things that I've learned and observed and spoke about in 2020. And in the third movie, Peter and MJ are up on the roof of their school and they show the train flying by as they're talking about their future. And this is like the first act of the movie, I think. And they're, he says like, oh, a fresh start. And she's like, yeah, a fresh start. Because at the end of No Way Home, she loses her memory of Peter, aka running into separation, which we'll get to. But they foreshadow it in that movie. In the beginning of the movie, they're like, oh, a fresh start, a fresh start. And they have a train moving in the background ever so slightly and subtly. And then, um, then later in the movie, they show before the final battle, before MJ loses her memory, they show um, Peter and MJ again in the lab with the other Spider-Mans, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. They're all in the lab in the classroom. And again, they show Peter and MJ hugging or like embracing before this final battle. And again, they show the flame 
behind Peter's back again, just like in the first. So that's in the towards the very end of the third movie, No Way Home. And at the very beginning of the first movie, Far uh, Homecoming, in the first one of the first scenes of the movie, they show Peter in school in that classroom in the lab. MJ's right there and they both have a flame behind their back. And then in the third movie. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here. But we know that she's about to lose her memory. They're about to go into separation. That's another term from the twin flame thing. And they're embracing in that same classroom where it looks the same. It's at the school, lab, classroom. And there's a flame behind Peter's back. They're showing the twin flames. Another point, at the end of the movie It Chapter 2, the girl who is uh, considered the twin flame in that movie is called uh, Bev or Beverly. And at the end of that movie, she tells her twin flame, which is Bill, which we covered in the episode 34, she says that she's moving to, she's about to move to Portland. And then, so keep that in mind, that's in the It movie. She says she's about to move away to Portland when they go into separation, the true twin flames. She's moving to Portland. Then at the end of Spider-Man 1, this other girl that Peter had a crush on in Homecoming, she's moving away to Oregon, where Portland and Oregon are the same thing. Why? Why did they choose Portland and Oregon? Because in Portland is in Oregon. And in Gematria, Oregon has Gematria values of 11s. It's like 38 and 11. And also, Oregon is the 33rd state. That's why they do that in the movie, say, oh, she's moving to Portland, Oregon, because Oregon is the 33rd state. But more importantly, for Twin Flames... Oregon has gematria of 11, reducing to 11. And that's why they say Portland and Oregon. So these are the same themes like in It Chapter 2 and in the Spider-Man trilogy. These are twin flame movies. And that's why they both, a girl is moving to Portland and then Oregon. 33 as Illuminati all seeing eye, dark side stuff like they're doing, but also showing the twin flame thing with the 11s. And then so obviously at the end of No Way Home, MJ apparently forgets, um, you know, Peter, and that represents them going into separation, which I'll speak more about. And the interesting thing is, um, so at the end of the movie, and everybody forgets who Spider-Man is or Peter Parker. And so at the end of the movie, he sees MJ and Ned Leeds, his friend. So Ned doesn't recognize him. He's looking at his phone in this scene in the coffee shop. So he doesn't even notice. But MJ, he talks to her. And at the end of that scene, when he walks out of the coffee shop, MJ like makes a face and like looks like she might remember. And then Ned didn't do anything like he has no idea. He didn't remember at all. And then later, uh, Peter goes to like the grave of like his Aunt May or something. And um. And this other character, Happy, is there, and he doesn't recognize Peter either. So out of the three people he comes across after people lost their memory is MJ, Ned Leeds, and Happy. Happy doesn't recognize him. He doesn't give any look. He has no idea, and they purposely show that. And then Ned Leeds has no idea. He doesn't give any look or whatever. They purposely show that, and the only person who does have any inclination of it is MJ. Like, she gives a weird look, and they make emphasis, make note of that. So... Perhaps in later movies, like she would remember, I don't know. And also when they were originally casting the spell, the first person he names that he wants to remember is like, he's like, what about my girlfriend? And then he says his friend and then he says his Aunt May and then he says happy. But the first person he says is MJ. And the only person after it happens who might, who gives a look that they show might remember is MJ. So if there is more movies like that could, you know, possibly happen. But the thing is with the Twin Flames is, 
The separation is necessary. That's why. And the thing is, this is what I've learned about Twin Flames is it brings you back to the most high. It, it shows you your true purpose. That's what I always knew since 2020. And in The Matrix, which is a Twin Flame movie, Trinity runs at the end of The Matrix. And that's what allows Neo to become the one. And then in Spider-Man here, Peter has to give up all his relationships, including MJ, in order for him to become Spider-Man. Another part of important quotes in Spider-Man where where it's not by design. So after at the very end of the movie where he tells Mysterio to cat or no, he tells Doctor Strange to cast the spell again. He says, cast it, make everyone forget Peter Parker. And then after he does that, Strange says to him, he's like, he says, like, so long, kid. And the reason he says so long, kid, is because He's no longer, Peter Parker is no longer a kid. He's becoming a man because he's sacrificing all of his relationships in order to be Spider-Man. So the reason he says so long kid or see you later kid, I think it's so long kid. He calls him kid is because he's no longer a kid at this point. He finally became a man. And so the twin flame thing, even in real life, is to make you find your true purpose. It's so that you can always be who you were destined to be. The reason in the Matrix Trinity runs after seeing the train, which we covered in 35. Trinity runs. And right after that, in the ensuing battle with Agent Smith, Neo becomes Neo. He become he goes from Mr. Anderson to become Neo. So the twin flame brought him to become his true purpose, led him to become Neo. And same thing with Peter. That relationship, everything that happened with him and MJ... In order for him to become a man, to no longer be a kid, that's why he calls him kid there, is because he's, see you later, kid, so long, kid. He's no longer a kid. He finally became a man. He finally became a Spider-Man, because that's what it means to be Spider-Man, is to sacrifice, you know, what's necessary for the greater good. So in order for Neo to become Neo, the twin flame led him there. In order for Peter to become a man and to become Spider-Man fully, the twin flame led him there. And it's the same thing in your real life. So... The twin flames have so much misconceptions around it. They put it in these movies. So Hollywood knows about the twin flames. That's why they're putting it in these movies. Like they know about it. Almost all of these movies, literally the movie it and it chapter two, which you think is a horror movie about a clown is really about a twin flame movie. The matrix is a twin flame movie. And that movie came out in like 99 or 2000s early years ago. And they knew about it then. And ever since, and now it's just so much heavier with like it chapter two, which is recent. Um, and the Spider-Man home trilogy it's it's recent like they're putting it so heavy in these movies it's so obnoxious so ridiculous and that's why i couldn't help myself i'm like yo i keep observing these things i'm like i don't want to speak about it but i really should i'm like if you know you know if you don't like you probably have no idea what i'm talking about and that's fine because if anything this could have spiritual implications because they're putting it in these movies for a reason for all we know this could be keeping people from actually coming together and whether it's your twin flame or not, that's the thing is what I do know for sure is the twin flame is to lead you to become your true purpose so that you can find the most high, be who you're always destined to be. Now, did the most high make it for twin flames to end up come out of separation again and to, to be together? I don't know. To be married? I don't know that. And only time would tell them. Maybe it's different for everybody. I've bounced back and forth. Does everybody have a twin flame or does only certain people have it? I don't know. Are twin flames meant to be married? I don't know. All I know is that it is meant for you to find the most high and to be who you're always meant to be. And just to bust up some myths about twin flames, like people, 
people online, like there's no good information about it. Like people say, you're the same soul just in two different bodies. No, you're not. You're two different people with two different souls, but you, the most high will use that person to reflect different things to you, wounds that you need to heal. That's what we covered in it. Chapter two. That's what the children that grow up and then become adults in the movie. They're healing their childhood wounds, childhood traumas. That's what the twin flame is about. So this is just another person for you to trigger you and to reflect to you your own wounds, your own trauma so that you can finally heal and finally become who you're meant to be. And more proof of that as well is at the end of it, chapter two, they all have a wound, which we covered in 34. And even in the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, when Peter goes to see MJ in the diner or the coffee shop, she has a wound above her eye on her above her eyebrow. And Peter has a cut above his eye. And he says to her, oh, um, are you okay? Are you okay?" And she says it doesn't really hurt anymore. That represents their wounds that now they're starting to heal now that they've experienced each other and are gone into separation. That's where the healing happens in the separation from your twin flame. That's when you heal and you face yourself. And how it works is there's an awakened twin and an unawakened twin. So in the Spider-Man movie, when MJ has her memory wiped, it's as if she became the unawakened twin because Peter knows the truth, but she doesn't recognize him yet. Will she ever wake up? I don't know. And these twin flame movies, they show different results in different movies. Like at the end of it, chapter two, the twin flames are not together. Um, in the matrix at the end of the first matrix, they are together. And even throughout the trilogy, Trinity and Neo essentially stay together. They have periods of separation, but they essentially stay together. And recently they even came out with another matrix movie resurrections. And that was about Trinity waking up the unawakened twin, just like MJ's the unawakened twin in Spider-Man now. Because she had her memory wiped. Same thing in that Resurrections movie. I didn't watch it, but I know that it was about Trinity waking up and she remembered Neo. And then they did come together at the end of that movie. So it may, is it a case-by-case basis, maybe, of Twin Flames coming together? I don't know. What I do know for sure is that it's to make you become who you're always meant to be. And if you do this walk correctly, it'll lead you back to the Most High. The Twin Flame experience will lead you back to the Most High. And some of you, I don't know if everyone has a Twin Flame or not. I don't know. And is it a case-by-case basis? Maybe. Another movie, which we covered in TPR 39, Holly Weird, is with the Dark Knight. One of the things about uh, the Twin Flames is called the Dark Knight of the Souls, is what they call it. And that's why the movie is called The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. It's a Twin Flame story. You think it's a movie about Batman, but it's a Twin Flame movie. Just like you think it's a movie about Spider-Man, it's a Twin Flame movie. We covered this in 39. If you don't believe me, listen, there's other important ports, parts in there, other predictive programming, important things in there. So you can listen to that if you want. 39. I cover a lot of Hollywood movies in that episode, Holly Weird. But at the end of The Dark Knight Rise, at the end of The Dark Knight, because Bruce Wayne's twin flame is Rachel and she dies in the second movie in The Dark Knight. She dies. And then so they don't have that's their final separation. They don't have a union of of Bruce Wayne and Rachel because she died. She wanted to stay with the false twin, which we covered in 34 and 35. There is a false twin in these movies as well. These are just the terminology like that we've used and in the movie breakdowns and even in Far From Home Spider-Man, there's a character named Brad who was the false twin and in Spider-Man Homecoming, the girl Liz who ends up moving to Portland, she is Peter's false twin. And then, so she he has a false twin in Homecoming, Liz, she moves away 
And then in the second one, Far From Home, MJ has a false twin of Brad, but the false twins are frauds. And in The Dark Knight, Harvey Dent is the false twin because Bruce and Rachel are the true twins and Harvey Dent is the false twin. But in that movie, The Dark Knight, Rachel decides that she wants to marry Harvey Dent and stay with the false twin. And then she ends up dying and Bruce and Rachel never have their true twin flame union. And at the end of Dark Knight Rises, the third one in the trilogy, Batman actually uh, ends up with Catwoman and Hathaway. So what I'm saying is there's different results in all of these twin flame movies. In The Matrix, the true twins essentially stay together through all movies of the trilogy. And then even in Resurrections, the true Neo and Trinity stay together. The true twins, they end up together at the end of it. Chapter two, the twin flames are not together yet. And I speculated in 2020, I said they could make another it movie where they do end up together. So, but so far they're not. So in the dark Knight trilogy, the twin flames don't end up together. And Bruce ends up with another woman, Catwoman, someone who's better for him, right. Or more aligned. Cause she's like, you know, a superhero type thing. Right. So, in the Dark Knight trilogy, the twin flames don't end up together. In the It Chapter 2, so far, they're not together. But on the contrary, in the Matrix trilogy, the twin flames are together. And then in Spider-Man trilogy, they're showing that MJ could wake up and remember, so maybe they would end up together. So that's what I'm saying is maybe it's a case-by-case basis. We shouldn't. And here's the other thing I realized about twin flames is it, it kind of, this is how I think Satan, you, this is my theory. And, and the reason I'm doing this is to conclude my thoughts. I, I put out so much twin flame information in 2020. Now here's what I've learned and realized or contemplated on four years later. The, I know that the Most High creates twin flames and he uses them to bring you back to the Most High to make you become who you are meant to be. The Most High uses it for that. Now where I think Satan might try and manipulate the twin flames is making you think in your mind, oh, this is my perfect person for me. This is a perfect person for me. But here's the thing is, if one of you is in darkness and one of you is in the truth, you guys were perfect for each other when you were in darkness. When, cause like, like for me, I know who my quote unquote twin flame is. And that girl, we knew each other when we were both in darkness. So at that time of my life, looking back on it, yes, she was my quote unquote twin. She was perfect for me at that time, but we were both in darkness. She's still in darkness. As far as I know, I don't talk to her anymore. I don't have any relation with her, but she's still in darkness. She doesn't know the most high. She's not awakened right now. So she's the unawakened one. She's in darkness right now. And I'm a new creature. I'm born again. I'm a new creature in the most high. So I think possibly the deception with the twin flames is having you think in your mind, oh, this person is perfect for me, but that person was perfect for you when you guys were both in darkness. If you're a new creature now, if you're in the light and you know the most high and you worship the most high and they're not, they're still in darkness, then they're no longer perfect for you. They're no longer a perfect match for you. They're no longer a twin for you because you're a new creature now. So if the Most High ever wakes them up and they come into the truth, then would you guys be perfect? Possibly. But if that per- if the Most High has ordained that person to stay in darkness, then that is where they are to stay. And there's a better partner for you, someone to actually marry, someone that is perfect for you, like in The Dark Knight. Bruce's true twin flame was Rachel, but she dies. She stayed in darkness. She didn't make it. And then at the end of the trilogy, Bruce ends up with someone who's 
good for him, some Catwoman who's another superhero who can understand him, who can relate. So if Bruce Batman is in the truth, then Catwoman is in the truth too because they're both superheroes, right? So if the most, so that's what I'm saying is for, for all we know, the most high created the twin flames, brought them together, had their experiences, and then he's going to keep one of them in darkness because that person is meant to stay in darkness. And you're, and you, if you're listening, you're in the light and you're meant to be in the light. And so that's why, like, I think Satan manipulates it into think, having you looking back. The scripture says those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom. So if you're always looking back on that person and saying they were perfect for me, they were perfect for me, but they're still in darkness. You have to look forward and find someone who the most high is then ordaining for you that is in the light, that is in the truth, that actually is perfect for you. Now you're a new creature. So that is the conclusions that I've drawn to. and. Maybe it is meant for some people to end up with their twin flame. I don't know. But and in the Hollywood movies, like I said, it's half truths and whatever, but they depict it both ways. Sometimes they end up together. Sometimes they don't. So it, maybe it's a case by case basis. Maybe y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But that's some conclusions that I've drawn to is perhaps that person is meant to stay in darkness. And there is someone who's actually perfect for you now. You're a new creature. So don't look back on past relationships, whether it's quote unquote twin flame or not. Don't look back on past relationships of what could have been. The bottom line is they have to be in the truth and they have to be ordained by the Most High. The Most High knows what he's doing out here. He knows who he's using. He brought two people together when they were in darkness because they would reflect each other. And because I saw that twin of mine or that perfect person of mine, before I found the most high, we reflected different things to each other. We taught each other different lessons. I started to see my wounds and my childhood trauma and my problems, my issues, and started to heal them for myself. Without her, she served her purpose for me. Why? Because she helped me to face myself. She helped me to face my fears and my wounds and my childhood traumas and start to heal. And once I started to heal, then the Most High opened up my eyes and I found him. Glory to Yah. So that girl that who I would call my twin flame, who I know is my twin flame, there's only you only have one person who's a twin flame. It has to only be one person. You don't have multiple. You don't get to choose. It's that person. But that person I know, and I covered different points. Speaking of the 11s, I'll say this point again. My birthday is the seventh month of 94, July 94. So it's seven. The first number of my birth of my birth birthday is seven and the end is 94. Seven plus four equals 11. This girl that I'm talking about, her birthday is April of 97, four and seven. So my birthday starts with seven and ends with four. Her birthday starts with four and ends with seven. And both of those equal 11. That's how I know the twin flame is real. This girl's name is Michelle. My middle name is Michael. We ha- There's so many different things like this from the date we met and all this stuff. There's all this gematria, things that I know are from the most high. That's how I know. I don't care what anyone online says. I don't care what Hollywood says. Hollywood is showing me that the twin flames are real. They know about it. And based on my own experiences, based on gematria, I know that twin flames are real because of those birthdays. Her name being Michelle, my middle name being Michael. I know that the twin flame is real. And I 
I'm grateful that the Most High used that girl, that person in my life, because like I said, it showed me childhood trauma. It showed me wounds. It helped me to heal. And most importantly of all, glory and praise of the Most High, it brought me back to Him. And a lot of you probably found the Most High because of a relationship that went to turmoil, and that might have been your twin flame, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just a person that the Most High ordained to help you get back to the Most High. And that's what we can leave it at, is giving it a fancy term of a twin flame or whatever. Like, But I know, like I said, you only have one. And like I said, this person that I'm talking about, I know that it is, that's what that is because the Hollywood movies show it. My own experiences show it. I, I learned that in 2020. And I, I said those points about the birthdays, our names, and so many other points in 2020. And there's a million, a lot of other points that I never even said on this podcast. And I won't say on this podcast because it's irrelevant, but Hollywood knows the twin flame thing is real. That's why they're showing it in all these movies. I know it's real because I saw it in my own experiences and I can point out all these points in the Hollywood movies. But are we meant to marry our twin flame? I don't know. All I know is we cannot be unequally yoked. We cannot be looking back. We cannot be waiting for someone who is not meant for us. And until you finally heal yourself and accept the fact that, okay, this person served their purpose for you, whoever it may be in your life, twin flame or not, boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever it was, former husband or wife, whatever it may be, they serve their purpose for you. And once you only want what Yah wants for you, that's when you will find the blessing. That's when you will find the person. Yah has already ordained who your wife or who your husband is. Yah has already ordained it. So holding on to people of the past, we can't do that. We have to heal ourselves. And that's what the point of the twin flame is so that you can face yourself, you can become yourself and you can heal and you could trust the most high and love the most high and know the most high. And if that other person is meant to know the most high, he will wake them up. But if he has ordained them to stay in darkness and he has someone better for you, that's when you have to accept that and be appreciative of that. That is blessed. That is a blessing. So these terms are just from the, the twin flame, the, these are terms that they're given to us, but they're, they're just giving it a fancy name from things that the Most High has done. And there's so many hidden books and things buried. For all we know, there's things buried in the Vatican that talk about twin flames that we just have never seen the light of day. And that's why all the information that's on online is just not very good. But there could be information. And there's even scriptures I covered. Look up Sirach 4224. The Most High made all things double one against another, and he has made nothing incomplete. Let, let, let's check this out. I mean, this is wild. And I've said this example before, whether it's about twin flames or not. But look, Sirach Ecclesiasticus 24, 24. Think about, or no, 42, 24 is what it is. And think about those numbers, 4, 2, 24. They're the same numbers, just mirrors of each other. Listen to this. Sirach 42, 24. All things are double one against another, and he has made nothing imperfect. Right? So when I saw that in 2020, I'm like, oh, see, there must, everybody must have a twin flame. But he's talking about male and female, the sun and the moon, one against another. But Sirach 24, Sirach 42, 24, all things are double one against another, and he has made nothing imperfect. But to conclude this episode and my thoughts and all this stuff, these terms or whatever are just, there's something deeper. And I know it's from the most high. I proved it in 2020 and I'm just coming full circle, I guess, for the victory lap now in 2024. And yeah, it's crazy. There, There's so much and there's so many, like, 
we got to just keep our focus on the most high, but these are the testimonies. These are the things. And like I said, by me realizing this stuff about the birth date of me and that girl and our names and all that stuff, all of that led me back to the most high. If you do this walk correctly, even the new age quote unquote things will lead you back to the most high. This will show you the power of the most high. That's how I was confident in 2020 to say, I know the twin flames are not from the dark side. They might be manipulated by the dark side, but I said, I know the most high, Yah. Yahuwah, the creator. He's the one who can make my birthday and her birthday line up perfectly. He's the one who made my parents give me the middle name of Michael and her parents have give her the name of Michelle. Her mom give her the name of Michelle. That's how I know. I'm like, only Yah can do that. I'm like, Satan can't do that. Satan can't choose my birth date or my middle name. I'm like, the most high ordains that. That's how I know it is from the most high. And I'm telling you in Hollywood, they know about it. That's why they're putting it in these, in these movies. Like I explained, it's wild, but, um, yeah, we can't hold on to the past and whoever the most high has for you, he's going to give you the perfect person. And that person might've been perfect when you were in darkness, but there may be a person who's perfect for you now. Who's also in the light, who can help you serve your purpose in serving the most high. All right. So hopefully spiritually, this had a positive impact and y'all might think I'm wilding out. You might think, I don't even know, but everything I mentioned, there's proof further back in this podcast. And, you know, and there's, you could see the growth in 2020 of like, you know, I still kind of had some of those new age terminologies because I was just coming out of new age in 2020. And, um, so, you know, where I am now, glory and praise of the most high, like, it might still sound new agey to you, but like I've proven from the law of attraction, which is new age or Mandela effect, quote unquote, or twin flames, all this new age stuff, they're getting it from the scriptures. So it might sound new age to you. All oh, the 11s. Oh, uh, this, that, and the other. It might sound new age to you, but that's because they're pulling it from the, the creator. He's the one that does this type of stuff. So that's what I've learned. Those are the conclusions I've got to. And one other point that I wanted to say as well, at the end of the first movie, Homecoming, at the very end of the movie, Peter and MJ and his classmates are there and Peter checks his phone and the phone says 317, 3 plus 1 plus 7 equals 11. And then MJ says, he's like, I got to go. So he looks at his phone, they show it, it says 317, which equals 11. And then she's like, uh, where are you going? Like, what are you hiding, Peter? And then she's like, oh, I'm just messing with you. And he walks away. And again, she looks at him just like how at the end of the third movie, she looks at him weird. But again, the 317 equals 11. So they're constantly showing that that's how you can know that the first movie is a twin flame movie because the 11s are everywhere. And like when they're together, he checks the phone, 317 shows the 11. They do that purposely. And that's why she gives him that look. It's like she knows. And the proof too, and so in Far From Home in the second one, she says to him, she finds out that he's Spider-Man. And she's like, I've been, it's kind of obvious. Like I've been watching you. And the funny thing is in that very first scene of Homecoming in the first movie, when he's making the web fluid, like in his desk. And like I said, they both have the flames behind him in that scene. 
you can you can hardly even notice MJ in that scene, but she's there and he was making his web fluid in the desk like while because no one's paying attention. They're like in lab, like doing whatever. And he's like in his desk and like shutting the drawer, like making the web fluid. And she was there. So when she said to him, like, it's kind of obvious, like I've been watching you for a while, like literally their first scene together at the very beginning of the first movie Homecoming. She was in that classroom when he was making the web fluid. So she was probably noticing, like, what is he doing over there? And then just other things. And then Far From Home in the second one, when the drones are about to attack the the bus that they're on, he jumps up and, like, shoots the webs to, like, shoot the drones with the webs. And then he comes back down. And if you notice, MJ is, like, looking at him the whole time. When everyone else on the bus is distracted, she doesn't get out of her seat. She's just, like, looking forward. So she saw him doing all these things. So like I said, they're first ever seen there in that classroom. He's making the web fluid and she's in there. And she says, oh, I, I've known for a while. I've been watching you. So she saw it. And then at the very end of the first movie, she's like, where are you going? And she watches him walk away. Just like at the end of the third movie, she gives him that weird look. So they were showing from the first movie, Homecoming, how that movie ends. She gives him a weird look like she knows and then same thing at the end of the third movie, giving that weird look like she knows. And most importantly, when he checks his phone in that scene, it's 317. 3 plus 1 plus 7 equals 11. And then another thing that they depict as well is like in, within the Twin Flames, there's like a masculine and feminine energy. And so essentially they make MJ like the masculine energy because she's always wearing like black color clothes, like dark clothes, black clothes. Whereas Peter, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he's in like a red and blue suit and even just his regular clothes, like he's in more like colorful stuff and she's in like all black a lot. And we even talked about that in 39 Holly Weird with uh, The Dark Knight. There's even a scene with Batman and Joker depicting twin flame energies, not actual twin flames, but just their energies. And Batman is the masculine wearing all black, intimidating in that scene, like we covered in 39. And the Joker is wearing green and purple and makeup representing the feminine. And then here in Spider-Man, again, they invert the genders, making... MJ, the quote unquote female, to be the masculine energy wearing all black, whereas then Peter, the quote unquote male, is wearing more colorful stuff representing the feminine energy. So you can notice that as well. And honestly, they even make like MJ like a conspiracy theorist. I know at least in the second movie, Far From Home, if not in all of them, like in Far From Home at the beginning, she says, like, um, oh, you guys might want to put a VPN on your devices so the government can't track you. And then later she's like, did you know that the Eiffel Tower was once possibly a, a, an antenna for mind control or something? Like they make her like a conspiracy theorist, but obviously they make it seem like silly in the movie. They make it sound silly, but they have her spouting out like little conspiracy stuff. So she's like a conspiracy theorist in the movie. But um, yeah, like I said, she's always wearing like black representing the masculine energy and peter is more colorful even than the spider-man suit red and blue as the feminine energies inverting the energies inverting the genders and stuff like that but they depict that as well all right and so i'm actually going to end this episode now a lot of stuff in here a lot of points in here i'm gonna leave it right there and i'm gonna say less um because I said it all. <laughs> Praise the Most High. I fear the Most High. I was pulling a Jonah on this part of the episode. 
I went back and forth, but I said, you know, at least spiritually, this might have an impact. There's a reason for it. And it all just came full circle. And um, yeah, so focus on things that are pure, beloved. This is a perfect time. And really, I'm not trying to send you down rabbit holes that you don't need to go down. That's why I didn't even want to do this part of the episode speaking about the Holly Weird and the Twin Flames. I didn't want to. I was like, ah, I don't want to send you down rabbit holes that you don't need. Focus on the Most High. Fear the Most High. Praise and worship the Most High. And something else I alluded to earlier, I do believe, is like with the tribulation. Like, this is why it's important. Going way back to the tribulation part of this episode. This is why it's important to know how to worship the Most High and how to pray to the Most High. Like, again, with trading with your neighbors and they give you food, you give them workout equipment or whatever. That's important. But here's the other thing, too, is and here like about being a man. Being a man of the Most High is knowing like the times of prayer, for example, which we covered last season, started last season in uh, TPR 265, Hours of Prayer, TPR 260, Structured Spiritual Sacrifices, TPR 259, Spiritual Sacrifices Meet Spiritual Warfare. Understanding the times of prayer is important as well because, again, when when there's project blue beam or real demons flying around or fake demons flying around and the christians are like jesus is here and they're running around with their head cut off and they don't know what's going on or the men of the world who have no idea and they all they ever relied on for masculinity was the money in their bank accounts none of that matters it's about spiritual righteousness spiritual manhood and when that tribulation happens and you don't have food or you need a way out that's when it's going to you're going to need to be a righteous man to rise up for your family and even your neighbors but even your family and say all right look we need food this is how we're going to petition to the most high we're going to be there for the hours of prayer three times a day morning noon and evening praying to the most high and praying and asking cuz cuz again like we covered in TPR 265 hours of prayer it's all fun and games now. Everyone's too busy. Oh man, I can't be there for the times of prayer. Well, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's all fun and games now, but, and we covered their scriptures that say his ears are open to their prayers at the times of prayer. He, yes, he's always hearing us. Yes. His angels are always around, but we covered in 265 in the hours of prayer. The angels are more locked in the most highs listening during the hours of prayer. So it's all fun and games now, you know, oh, we got food. We could go to the grocery store. But in that tribulation, if you don't have food and you got a petition of the most high, you're going to want to make sure you know about those three times of prayers per day. You're going to want to have an idea about when the hours of prayer are. You want to be a man of righteousness so you're not trembling with your household of like oh man i have no idea i have no idea what to do what are we going to do that's when you want to be a solid man of the most high glory to him and say all right this is exactly what we're going to do household all of us my children my wife me we're going to pray at these times of prayer and petition of the most high in yahushua hamashiach's name that he provides some food for us or whatever we may need right so that's the importance of understanding the, the times of prayer. And that's just one example, you know? So, and at least just having some idea, because like I said, it's all fun and games now, but if you really need something, you're not just going to want to willy nilly pray whenever you want throughout the day. You're going to want to be like, nah, I want to pray at the, at the time where there's the most chance of him answering at the times of prayer. When his ears are super open, his, his angels are locked in. You know, if you need a miracle, you need angels, you need protection. You want to pray at a time when he can be found when when you when he's hearing it 
And like I said, even not just with your family, but even with your neighbors, right? If your neighbors come to you and you're like, man, what are we, what are we going to do? That's when you want to, that's when righteous men are going to have to rise up and be like, yo, I got this. This is what we're going to do. Neighborhood, neighbors, community. This is what we're going to do. All of us are going to pray to Yahuwah at this time. And that's how then the most High might rain a blessing on your neighbors and on your neighborhood, you know, not just on you and your family. It might just be you guys, but even with your neighbors as well. Imagine that they're, your neighbors are running around. They don't know what to do. They're like a chicken with their head cut off. That's when you want to be a man spiritually and say, no, guys, I know the times of prayer. This is what we're going to do. Pray three times a, a day to Yahuwah through Yahusha and pray for the answer or f- pray for the solution of the blessing, whatever we need. That's what it means to be a man. Not all this fake stuff like we covered earlier of like, oh man, I can do this. I can do that. I got money. I got this. That's not spiritual righteousness. So I really believe, I think I got almost all the points that I wanted to say in this episode. Um, I fear the most high. I hope that this episode was fruitful over three hours long. And um, yeah, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to the plan and purpose of the most high to them that are called and that love him. I love you, beloved. Stay strong. Don't be fear, fear the most high. That is the important thing. Don't fear the dark side. Don't fear to, don't fear famine. Like we covered in Psalms 37, in the evil time, they shall not be ashamed. And in the time of famine, they shall be fed, right? Or they shall be satisfied, right? Trust in the most high. Learn how to praise and worship the most high. I don't want to add too much unnecessary knowledge onto you. Hopefully this episode was fruitful, but keep it simple. Know the times of prayer. Pray to the most high. Fear the most high. Spiritual sacrifices, spiritual righteousness. Stack up those treasures in heaven. And that's, that's it. And something else I alluded to earlier is like focusing on things that are pure. And so, like I said, aside from doing this episode, speaking about Holly Weird and the mainstream again, obviously I rarely talk about it. And, you know, in 2020 is when I stopped watching TV and stopped watching movies and stopped watching the news and stuff. But I would still hear things like in 2021 and even in 22, like I would still hear things from the mainstream. And then really in 23, I took it to another level of like, I wouldn't even be hearing much chatter of like anything, like literally like when the whole Israel war popped off, for example, like I barely even heard anything of it. And people were actually asking me like, what do you think of this? Is this Bible prophecy and stuff like that? And just to clarify, we know that the true land is most likely in South Africa, definitely not in that land that they call Israel today. So I definitely didn't think it was prophecy. I'm like, no, this is like fake prophecy, manipulation, another fake war, another Ukraine war. I'm like, I don't pay attention to Ukraine. I never paid attention to the Israel war. I still don't. And people can vouch that like my boy called me when the Israel thing happened. I told him, I'm like, I haven't even heard anything, but no, I don't think it's legit. And I'm like, so my thing is like, if we are paying it, so people like recently I I've heard like people saying like, we can't, we can't bury our head in the sand. Like we have to keep our ears to the mainstream and stuff. And honestly, I disagree with that. Like in the past year, I've had my head buried in the sand. I'm like, I'm not, because if we're listening to the mainstream, if we're listening to the news, which is all lies and manipulation and stuff, 
how can we're not even really knowing what's going on if we're listening to that. So to me, I think it is better to kind of be in our own lane and to, in a sense, bury our head in the sand. And my thing is like, if a war happens that I need to know about the most, how I'll make it known to me. I don't have to know through social media and all this stuff. And when the Israel war happened, everyone was freaking out. Oh, what's happening is a Bible prophecy. And I didn't even blink. I'm like, I'm, I didn't even know about it literally. So I've gotten to the point, glory to the most high, where like, not only do I not watch the news, but I don't even like hear any of this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it's all lies. It's all deceptions, half truths. And so what I'm saying is like, if we're still relying on the mainstream for information or for it to know what's going on in the world, I don't think that's a good thing. I think it's better to just be in our own world. That's how I am. And how I describe it is I'm in my own world with the most high, literally like it's me, Yahuwah and Yahusha. And, and that's it really. Like, that's all I'm focused on. I'm like, I'm in my own world. I'm like, I don't need to know what's going on here, there, anywhere else. And if the most high does need me to know about it, he'll make it known to me. So I kind of disagree. And I think it's, I think we can be burying our head in righteousness and not even paying attention to any of this, anything that's going on from the mainstream, whether it's Holly weird, like what I said in here was enough. But whether it's Holly weird, the mainstream, it's all the same. It's the dark side and moving away from that will how will be how you will actually be at peace and be happy and be joyful and be blessed is when you're not even focusing on that. And like I said, like the awakening has changed. Like in 2020, it was it was cool and it was acceptable to expose the rigged elections and this this fake war, this that like. expose all the psyops and stuff, but that's not working now in 2024. The awakening has changed. Like I said, passing off the baton, it's a new leg of the race. And that's why my content is different. That's why the podcasts are different. Everything is different. Everything is changing. My goals, my life is moving in a different direction. And because I'm hearkening to the most high. And that's the other thing too, is people are fearing the mainstream. They're listening to the mainstream. Oh, leave the world behind said this is going to happen they're fearing that stuff they're not fearing the most high i fear the most high did i just speak about hollywood movies and exposing what's in there yeah i did but my fear is in the most high i'm not relying on oh let's see what they put out in this predictive programming that's why like i said is if i was chasing my own desires i would be breaking down hollywood movies on here all the time showing you and proving so many 11s and twin flame movies and over and over and over and predictive programming over and over and over again I just happened to come across these Spider-Man movies and it kept sticking out to me. So I was like, I'll speak about it. But if I was chasing my own desires, that's what I would be doing. But um, it's not about unnecessary knowledge. It's not about bombarding you. It's about fearing the most high. And I trust him and listen to him. Like my focus is on him. It's not on what the mainstream is doing. It Like these movies came across my radar and I felt that I should expose it. And like I said, this is like one time in the last two to three years of going that long without speaking about Holly weird. So I feel it's acceptable or appropriate to do it now. But like if we're always looking to the mainstream or looking to the dark side to know what's going on, we'll always be astray. Right. I'd rather say the things that I said in here because there could be some truth to it. But if that's our main source of information, if I was always just coming with another Hollywood movie, another predictive programming, that's when you get lost in the half truths and lies and stuff. Like I feel I could discern the possible truths that we spoke about in this episode in those Spider Man movies. But if I was coming every day with another movie, another predictive programming, it just never ends and it never gets you anywhere. 
And I do feel that people are focusing that part of the awakening is done. There was a time for that in 2020. There was a time, a short time where I was exposing Hollywood movies and stuff. And the most I showed me now, it's time to move on from that. And I hearkened and I listened. Um, so my biggest thing is like be in your own world with the most high focus so much on him. So you have no idea what's even going on. Don't watch TV. Don't watch the news. Don't listen. Don't be on social media. Like again, when the Israel thing happened, I wasn't really on social media at the time because for the whole past year, like I wasn't really on it. So I wasn't hearing all these conspiracies and think pieces of, Oh, it's prophecy. Like I wasn't even there. So I'm like, I don't even know. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I have no, I, I don't have any desire or need to know that. And really, if we look at scripture, before technology, before social media, they would have no idea what was going on in other parts of the world. They would have no idea unless they got a letter written to them or whatever. Like they, if they were completely on a different part of the world, they wouldn't know what was going on over there. So we don't need to be in the affairs of Ukraine and all that. Like, what do we care? Like, honestly, like, you know, do, why do I need to know what's going on with them? Did did the Galatians know what was going on at Corinth or what was happening? It did, you know, did, did like, I don't think they really cared. Did the children of Yashorel when they were in the wilderness? Yeah, they were trying to go back to Egypt, but were they trying to tune into what was going on in Mitzrayim in Egypt? No, I don't think they cared. And we don't quite frankly have to care. And if the Most High does want us to know about it, he'll make it known unto us. But Again, just with all this too much knowledge and too much information, we're all so connected to the matrix, right? And that's why it takes so many it takes so many steps to finally get away from the matrix. And that's where I've been at is where I do kind of bury my head in the sand. I'm like, I don't need to know that. And if the most high does want me to know it, then he'll bring it up to me. But majority of this stuff, like I knew the Israel thing was probably another Ukraine psyop. And people were literally saying, It's Bible prophecy, blah, blah, blah. The Antichrist is coming up. Well, it looks to me like another psyop. And because I didn't pay any attention to it, and because I didn't pay any attention to the mainstream, that's how I'm like, if I had to guess it's a psyop, and it was, you know, just like Ukraine. So it's, there's always going to be another ritual, always another psyop if you pay attention to the mainstream. But if you focus on the most high and you're in your own world with Yah, that's how you will actually be blessed and be at peace and be happy. If you have peace, you are blessed. That is how you will have true peace and true understanding. And you you won't have to prove points. The the things that I said in this episode is not to prove I already I already knew the truth, especially about a lot of the stuff. I knew this stuff in 2020. It's four years later. I'm not trying to convince you or prove you or even flex my knowledge. If I was trying to flex my knowledge, I would be here every day or every week with the new Hollywood movie breaking it down and showing you how connected it all is. And the like, I'm not doing that. And that wasn't the point of this episode either. But people are focusing on the wrong things. And that's scary. And I'm just trying to lead by example with where this podcast series has gotten to. Um, just trying to show the growth and hopefully you can see the growth. But um, yeah, this episode is long enough. And um, I am going to finish it up here. Be at peace. Be happy. Be blessed. That is the most important thing. Be at joy. Focus on things that are good. And be set apart as much as you can. Let the Most High take you apart from the world and set you apart from the world. And be in your own world with Yah. That's all I can say. If you want to reach me, if you have any questions, 
about anything, send me an email, pod.tpr at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach me. Let me know what's up. Hit me up if you have any questions or you want to talk. Make good use of the time while you can. And let's finish it right here with this. Psalms 117. Hallelujah, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of Yahuwah endures forever. Hallelujah.